Hey guys, just a quick note before the special. At the very end, there's a bit of an audio issue where you can hear some of us and not the other. We're leaving that in because a few things were said, but it only goes on for about a minute near the end. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the With the Will podcast. We're here to entertain and inform a bit while talking about Digimon. Hi, Mark. I run with the Will. I'm Mayor Paul for Digimon System Restore. And I'm Jeff from Podigis. And I'm Unke, your on-again, off-again fan translator. And we finally get to talk about the movie after seven months of coronavirus. Hooray! Yay! It was set up for us so well this time. We were going to get it in theaters a month after Japan while it was still running. We were clearly supposed to get the disc in July, and then production issues with the dub. It's finally done. It came out in digital about two weeks ago, about a week ago on home video. And for anyone who's been dodging spoilers the whole time, good for you. I don't I'm amazed. Think... If you managed to get through this this far without uh, getting spoiled by anything, I, I salute you. Yeah, I didn't make it that well. long. Yeah. Yeah, this, <laughs> I this tried. Is... I feel like before we say anything, we should probably go ahead and say, if you haven't seen the movie, turn us off and come listen later, because it's just talking about the movie, and we're not spoiler warning warning anything past this. So go watch the movie first if you really have avoided the spoilers. If anybody had been successful at dodging spoilers and needs to continue to do so, I don't think they'd be tuning in now. True. I, I'm so excited to talk about Digimon Adventure Try Chapter 6, Our Future. I don't know why we waited a couple of years to talk about it, but I'm ready. Let's go. I think we waited because we heard your podcast where you started laughing about it in the first 10 seconds, and that put us off. <laughs> At least I wasn't deeply sighing every couple of minutes, which is uh, the latest episode of Adventure 2020. I oh, think, I think, that, I think that, I, that yes. was us in the last that episode. Podcast. Yeah, that was that's what we did. That was basically us going, yeah, this this, this may not be a 100% terrible episode, but this is not a good one. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk yeah. about Kazuna. Yeah. So, it's the 20th anniversary Digimon Adventure movie. It takes place five years after Try. And All the way in the distant year of 2010. 2010, when you have VR headsets, cell phones. Yes, cell phones with 2020 iOS UI. I'm not. I'm not really bothered by that, to be honest. It's close enough to what we have now that it felt mostly natural. The merch needs to be compatible with modern smartphones. I'm still very bothered that they, the cutouts on the actual one they did made, they didn't cut out in the other direction. So first off, how, what did everyone think of the movie overall? I liked it a lot in the end. They yeah, are? Nah, I, yeah. it, I mean, it's it's got a few issues that I had, but overall, I mean, especially, you know, for a Digimon product, I thought it was extremely, I thought it was extremely good. I quite liked it. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Like, like Aaron was saying, there, there are some issues, but... It, it's the, Digimon, uh, there's always going to be some right. issues. Yeah. <laughs> and, and by that bar, it's like, uh, it, 
not not to like hate on try too much, but this is basically everything I wanted out of try in a package that felt really satisfying emotionally. I and think it, narratively it, and yeah, it, it yeah. had it had two real advantages over try. The first is is it's one movie. At that point, there's only so much you can decide to try to do. And two, because Chai did well, they actually had a budget this time, which was nice. And it, the weird thing is, is it's weird to think about this. This is technically the first standalone theatrical Digimon movie. Like, that was just its own movie set on its own with its own release schedule and everything, which is odd to think that it hasn't really happened in 20 years. In Japan, at least. Well, yes, 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 Digimon the movie, of course, but that was even still the movies put together. So less a standalone and more that. Yeah, it's just like what the um, like, I know it got a much wider release in theaters in Japan than the Tri movies did. But if you were in an area and near a theater that was showing Tri, like it still was presented like. Oh no! It it was, it was, it was, and that's mostly because that market for the pseudo premium OVA, they've sort of meshed into just winking at it as being movies. But the issue there is, is it's if you walk in the theater, you can buy the disc, you can get it digitally before the theaters are open. At that point, it's not really a theatrical movie. Is more what I mean. It's not budgeted like. even those theaters that were showing it, it was like, it's kind of just the weebiest theaters that show all yeah. the anime movies, not not yeah. the mainstream theaters. Yeah, it it's basically, for lack of a better term, a small fathom type distribution, like what you would see when Warner was doing some of their direct to video movies um, in theaters. So it this is grand, and to be fair, the animation shows it being grander. It's very much a different animal than... Like, even when we talk about the current version of Adventure having nice animation most of the time, it really does not compare to when you see the splendor of, like, full-budget theatrical animation. Oh, yeah, this was just, like, so consistent throughout. And even... And not just, like, oh, everything looked polished. It's, like, there was really interesting color palettes. There's... I don't know if we're going to be like diving into civic scenes and stuff, but like, oh no, you can. If you if you have something you want to say, feel free. Like the way that the color palette shifts when they're in the basically the homage to our war game, yeah, which is fully an homage, but still looks so visually distinct. Like it looks like our war game, but also looks totally different. And I think that was really cool that it added something new while also just being fan service. Like it was, it was fantastic mix. Yeah, the scene that stuck in my head for animation, and it it's not like a big one. Um, when Hikari, a minute after she shows up, when she starts running under the bridge and the camera pulls back to match oh, her yeah, run, yeah, yeah. that's not something we normally see. The way the camera moved was just so different than Digimon that it was almost like, that looks amazing. And that's not what it just, it was just a small scene, but it was something that kind of caught me aback a little bit. Yeah, it's um, it's a kind of little detail. It's just like a huge visual flex. Like there's no yeah. narrative need for it, but it's just like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so nice. Okay, I think you're gonna say something about the animation. Uh, no, since you okay. specifically pointed out that scene, um, just thinking about the audio commentary, they were saying how 
they worked really, really hard on that scene. It was just so much trouble for them to get it to look right. Oh, they're uh, running under the bridge. Oh, awesome. I was completely unaware that that was one that yeah. was actually like pointed out. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, actually, the fact is they actually went through the trouble. Yeah. Other, and other additions, they might uh, they uh, forget it. It's not worth the time. Yeah. Oh, and here's the thing. It probably wasn't worth the time because it's not an important moment in the film in any way. It just was something that made me go, damn. Um, and it starts with... The movie does, and Jeff pointed out, it basically starts as homage, and I think they pointed out in the commentary, the first chunk is basically homage to everything, and then it moves on to its own film. And they really do get their use of moments and things from the old content, even when it doesn't necessarily make sense. Like, seeing Paramount's nice, but it's, it's Paramount because Paramount's one that people would recognize as having fought Draymond before. Yeah, and like here I was alluding to before, like there are, there, there are flaws in the movie. Like, I, if I look at it logically, I'm like, did you really need the whole team, not the whole team, but like, like a partial full team to fight Paramount and to go to like Metal Greymon just to fight Paramon, that's excessive logically, but it was fun to watch and was a great spectacle. So who cares if the logic is bad? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. generally sums up a lot of the movies. Who cares if the logic was bad? Yeah. Pretty much. Actually, speaking of Metal Greymon, I did not like that evolution scene. Yeah, it's, it wasn't the best. But... Here's why. Here's the animation was fine. Here's the problem, though. They spent so much effort to make it like the old one. That since it's not CGI, it just looks wrong. So it's the weird thing where they're recreating the scene in 2D and matching it as close as they can without the CGI. And it just made me go, this doesn't, this, the animation's too far off for the usage of it to work for me, at least in that scene. It's kind of like the Uncanny Valley, like it's similar enough. Yes. It just looks off. And yeah. Yeah. I, I see you there, but like also like, I think anything they could have done that looked good and looked similar would have had that effect because if it, yeah, like if it looked as bad as back then we would complain and if it looked as good as now, like while still aping that style. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's you're tough. not, you're not wrong. So we start off with the battle and it ends and then it jumps into Tai Chi and Yamato at school. And I kind of like that that's, it it's not quite because Butterfly is playing, but it just kind of shows them going through their day after running off, and it works. Although I, the I'm not sure Butterfly worked though. To be honest, as much as I like hearing it, because they had already played Braveheart, the movie had already been running for a bit. I almost wonder if maybe you should have gone with Butterfly and. Like an instrumental of Butterfly instead of Bolero at the beginning, because it felt a bit off there to me, at least. It it works okay for the context of the song Butterfly. Like there's still an element of yeah wanting to get away from this because one of the big things early on in the in the opening is the idea that Taichi and Yamato they're far more in their element when they're in this extreme adventure fighting Parrotmon and, you know, mixing it up in that. And then when they get into mundane regular life, that's 
where they feel more uncomfortable. Yeah. So having Butterfly in that does kind of set the tone for what Taichi and Yamato are facing right now. No, it, it does. And then we get to see, with the slow-paced music there, methodical normal lives past school, where Taichi's working at a pachinko parlor. And Yamato was mostly just walking around and pining over not doing music anymore, which was an interesting take for him. This sequence, and, and like where it, uh, when we see Taichi in his apartment, just like getting out a beer and with his like I assume kombini dinner, and then like crawling over to look at the digivice, like that was really the moment where I was like, oh man, this is like, it's not just this one visual spectacle. It's like even in these small moments, if it, the execution is so great that it really, I knew it was in for a treat at that point. Yeah, and. Then it sort of, after that, we sort of start jumping into the plot where they're then at Koshiro's office, which is much, it's both smaller and bigger than the one he had in Tri because his own personal office is smaller, but it's his company and big office. Is that, wasn't that after the bar scene? I think the bar scene is. You're 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 well. co- you're correct. The bar, it, the movie flows very well. Like I, even writing stuff down, I was getting stuff out of order because the flow lets certain things move around. But you're correct. Um, and we have Taichi and Yamato talk about where they are, where they're going, that their Digimon don't really change, and we get the first Meku Mekumon cameo. which uh their actresses were put in the movie because there's not really a speaking role for meiko or meikumon in the movie so we get woman from behind who looks mysteriously like meiko and we get her friend who has slightly reddish puffy hair and a striped shirt yeah Yeah. (laughs) who's voiced by meikumon and the not meiko is clearly meant to be a chosen child as she passes out. Which is where we get the... Yeah. I thought it was a pretty nice touch because they did mention, um, the producer and the director, that they did want to get the voice actors involved after Try even. So it was like a pretty nice touch for them to consider those two voice actors from a completely separate... Yeah. Yeah. It probably helps that the director thought he was being hired for Try 2 also. Uh, <laughs> um, sorry, what was that? No, no, go ahead. Oh, um, I was going to mo- move on to Koshiro's office. Where we get the call from Miyako where I don't know if that's perfectly in character for her or s- more a bit more off character. The way... It worked very well regardless, that phone call, and Hakamon just wanting to be involved and no consideration being paid to that. Yeah, no, that scene worked fine for yeah. me. I thought that was that was good Miyako action. Yeah, and she perfect. doesn't she's never afraid to, you know, ra- to escalate to the next level. Oh no, I, I agree. I more meant that she would slip and reveal what she was doing. Where she was basically slipping that she was just pawning it off on them. Miyako slipping in any fashion is also in character. Like, just yeah. accidentally letting on something that she didn't want to let on. 
also yeah. Pete Miyako. Yeah. And yeah, then we that, sorry, that scene, ahead. I don't know, it sat with me a little bit weird because it the vibe I got from it was that she wasn't that adept with technology, which I don't think is fair because Hawkmon was the one holding the camera, right? But um yeah, yeah, I got that Hawkmon said... wasn't that adept with technology. Yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it more as that she was trying to be formal, so she was having someone else hold the camera, so it wasn't quite as close as it could be. But then the pro- she kind of rushed the camera a bit, and at that point, it sort of just fell apart. Mm-hmm. Her her attempt to be professional, I mean, not the scene itself. I saw it as Hawkmon not being that great with it, and it just gets worse. And then she gets upset about it, and yeah. And then she pawns it yeah. off on them. Um, and then we get our new characters introduced. Um, Minoa and Kiyotaro. And they... So Minoa, they introduced... Did they actually say she's American? Or is, she ge- is it just generically she's from American and English speaker? Because I don't think they clarified that, did they? No, they don't actually clarify. But since she is going to school... In America. We're supposed to take her as generically American then. Yes. Okay. Um, the one thing I like is she ta- when she's talking in English, for lack of a better phrase, her personality is actually different, and I actually really like that. She's much more loud and boisterous when she's introduced than when she's talking in Japanese later, and I thought that worked well to show us... I mean that that's a nor- that's a normal thing with people who talk in different languages, but it does suggest that she isn't com- being completely forward with them. So I kind of like that. I guess we should clarify for people who haven't watched both versions because I, I initially watched just the dub and okay. then read the the interview. Okay. That, I, I guess okay translated and is on with Will with the it's the director, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and they mentioned how they wanted to give her like a quirk and have her speak a lot of English, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, interesting. Yeah, and, 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 and as I recall, they, they said they cut that down heavily because it was just problematic. It was just too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, if you have only watched the dub, when she introduces herself in English, she's speaking very differently than she does for watch much of the movie. She's speaking very strongly and boisterously and hello and then when she slips into the japanese her voice calms a bit and it and then at times it almost seems like her voice is changing mid go as if she is playing a character and i like that to be honest i yeah i guess that, that's an interesting reading on it to me it felt it felt a little awkward because oh, it, it I was. Totally agree with you that, I just like I mean, it. I totally it, agree with you that it like felt like she was acting different, and it was weird that her like the visuals didn't match that. It was like her face was moving the same exact way, but she sounded completely different when she was speaking English, and it was like okay. Yeah, I I'll agree with that because especially the her, the introduction scene where she's talking very loud, but her mouth isn't quite opening as wide as you'd expect. But yeah, I. Yeah, I, yeah. I well, and another, I mean, another part of that is that the English is more flourish and the Japanese is more let's get down to business and actually yeah. explain what's happening. Yeah. And um, mm-hmm. there's also, I don't know if you're aware, but when a Japanese person tries to speak in English, it t- tends to get really awkward. I'm not sure if um, that voice inflection that you're mentioning is intentional or if it's just 
the actor being very careful about her wording because also to begin with, she's not a professional voice actor. She's just an actor. Yeah. I, uh-huh. I, 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 t- I took it as purposeful because of the loudness, which to my dealing with Japanese people who have learned some English, they do speak a bit slower and more careful, but they don't tend to get that sort of boisterousness that she had. And that may have just been her style of doing it and not anything mm. on purpose, but I took it that way because of the extra volume and push she was giving. But hmm. that could yeah, have just, that, but yeah, there's no way to know that without someone actually saying one way or the other. Yeah, I, I honestly took that as Japanese voice actor playing a foreigner it, throwing it, it, foreign it may, language in there because it may it may very well have been. I, I I took it that way just because it worked for the character for me, especially when you contrast with later on, especially when you know she's having the conversation with Tai Chi and she's being very quiet and very methodical in how she talks, and it just adds kind of a different layer and characterization to it for me, but it probably was just that was how she was speaking English. Yeah, it just didn't sound all that different from typical portrayals of foreigners in anime. No, that's possible. But yeah, yeah I, I don't... Especially after reading that interview, I was like, oh, this feels like a... It's more of like a fun flourish or a fun quirk. And to me, to me, that worked a lot better later on when she's like... When they're in the dramatic final battle and she says like, nonsense... And yeah, yeah. Oh shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's quite possible. Um and we get the explanation of Eosman sort of and then they jump into the Hosoda net. And coincidentally, which, which I really it, liked how they they had the um I don't know if there's explicitly a reference to Summer Wars in Oz, but the fact if, that there were the flying fishes. The fish the fish felt yeah. like a Summer Wars Although weren't there fish in the in the network in Atmon as well? There there have been well, fi- there were a, fish in had, Atmon and I they th- weren't they the, the the fish in here definitely felt like yeah. Summer Wars. Um so, I, th- I I agree think, with Jeff on that. I think there may have even been a couple fish visuals in uh Diablomon. No, I think there were horses. Um because I actually just watched that movie yesterday. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, horses. I remembered some yeah, sort of animals. Horses. Horses and carousels. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. And the characters who go in are coincidentally the ones who are associated with War Game, which then yeah, that goes back to it being a homage. Um, I don't know. I still like how you have Tai Chi holding Agumon, Yamada holding Gabumon, Patamon's just sitting on Taku's head, and Tentomon is. Carrying Koshiro, carrying even though there, <laughs> there doesn't appear to be any reason for that to happen here, other than that we all like to see it. And we get that it's nice a great moment in the reboot, so sure. Yeah, and we get that nice reddish-orange outline, and then they end up in the reddish data space, which feels like it could be a homage to any number of things in the franchise. Because stuff like that shows up all the time. And what what do we think of Eosman's initial design? I thought it was fantastic. Like it, it's weird, it's different, it's striking. Yeah, I yeah, like I that the whole the the whole thing. Yeah, as a whole, I thought Eosman was great, especially its um its battle tactics. Like it it was very 
it required some interesting counters. It, 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 it was a, it was a good tactical way of, yeah. of fighting. It was a different look instead of just, you know, throw everything you have at it. Yeah. And, and I liked how when we got Omega Mancho up, his tactic wasn't just rushing and it actually was getting rid of that plan entirely. And can can we get a proper evolution scene for Omegamon somewhere, please? It's been 20 years. I'd like just some sort of fancy evolution scene. I don't care if it's here in the... Sh- I don't care if it's in the show, if it's in a future movie. I would just like it to not be... Wargame did it really neat with the egg, and that's that version's proper scene. Since then, they've all been the sort of pseudo-flash, you know, spinny lights... I, I'd like an actual scene of some sort. Uh, so well, just, just go and watch Gundam Build Fighters and any episode where they build a Gunpla. There, there you go. Jeff, <laughs> you're not allowed. You're not allowed to make that reference. That's my reference. People get tired of me making that reference. In fact, I was going to say it's going to show up in the reboot like twenty more times. So you'll probably get you'll probably get what you want in one of those. No, they're going to keep doing the fucking egg. And as the fight goes well, at the end, we get the timer popping up. They split apart. And then we sort of get into what the real crux of the movie is, which is no more partnership. And your Digimon dissolves into nothingness. When you said timer, I started getting um, flashbacks to Adventure 2020. (laughs) Thankfully, it's a different timer. (laughs) I I have to stop myself now from going doink. Doink, doink, over and over again. <laughs> Digimon yes. loves the good countdown timer. To be fair, it, <laughs> it, it works so well, and it's so low effort to actually make drama work. Yeah, but, but back to this timer. This timer looked really great. It was a great visual. Yeah. It, being very evocative. It, it felt like they were trying to do an analog clock. Yeah. It was more, it felt, it feels more ominous in a way. Than the, the typical countdown timer. Well, because here's the thing. You can't get away from it because you you can look away from the timer here. The Digivice is something connected to them and their partner. They can't escape it, and it's just always hanging over it. It also uh, helps that you can be super vague about how long the timer's actually for. Well, it appears to be roughly a day, I think. On the note of the timer and like it appearing in multiple places, this was one thing that I, I yeah, totally accepted I, it and rewatched. But like the fact that they have, uh, like I guess Koshiro has like integrated their devices into their yeah, smartphones off screen without any mention was a little awkward. Yeah, that was something I had actually been thinking of when to bring up, and so makes it easier with Jeff bringing up. Um, and it the. It's a narrative cheat that sort of comes up in movies a lot. The will mention something in background information that doesn't get mentioned in the movie, even though it's kind of important. And them, if they just had digivices that were smartphones, it kind of would have been interesting. You could have kind of waved it off as just another upgrade because that's happened. With them still having the old ones, some mention of it would have been nice because otherwise it's just, it's kind oh. of a cheat to just have them and they just work and everything. I kind of disagree with you there because um, for this movie, 
like there are some stuff where it's not explicit. Um, you kind of have to look at it visually and see all the little details and kind of come up with that conclusion yourself. They don't really like just tell you straight out this and this and this and this. So like for that moment when Tai Chi is turning his smartphone off, you see the Koshio's company name on that. So kind of have to lead to that conclusion. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. It's just, especially in the sense of them turning them off to hide to a degree, it felt like some mention of why they exist would have helped. But, and part of that is based on Jeff saying the stuff doubling up in that they're clearly not cobbled together works in in lieu of them. They are proper new digivices. But you're you are correct in that they do show you if you're paying attention. I mean, to me, it, it struck out. It struck me as weird as soon as like I think it's in the fight with Haramon when the digivolution sequence to Greymon happens, and you get the like the digivice loading the bars yeah. out of the digivice, but it's a smartphone. And even at that point, I was like, "Uh, I think what is weird? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's weird to like give that such visual importance and then." not ever mention it in the narrative like yeah i guess i like what okay saying like you can piece together like how it came about but like it'd be nice if they just made like a passing reference to like oh i've only had this new one for like two weeks and we're t- still testing it out or something they, they spent they the spent goggles. the time they yeah they spent the time on the goggles which, which never really came into play after the opening scene no mm-hmm. and which based on inform in back uh behind the scenes information they only even put in the movie because he had designed them they didn't really want to use them but you I know, mean, it, in, in try too, Chekhov's goggles are going to come back. You never know. To be fair, those showed up a lot, though. And we got an explanation of them being made and everything. I mean, here I think the the issue you could have here is that this, the new technology you see in the beginning, the smartphone and the goggles, they only seem to exist so that the characters can get rid of them halfway through the movie and make a show of getting rid of them halfway in the movie when they need to go off the grid a little more. True. I actually think that works though, because it does put them in the position of moving forward while sticking with what they had. And in theory, what they're trying to save though. It's a little weird with, us seeing how much Koshiro is able to like the fact he's able to like clone a digivice or like make a, I don't know, like a remote digivice on the phone or whatever. It's a little weird that they kind of imply later that the, the D threes still have special power to open gates that the other, Um, uh, other kids can't do that. That's clear. That's actually clarified in more extended material. The, the O2 kids still call theirs D threes. Right. But like, it's weird that, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, their phones, they're still calling D3s. Oh, no, I know, no. I just mean, like, I would expect with Koshiro's level of kind of hacking the Digivice technology that he would be able to uh, standardize like those all features. of their phones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Do we know that they haven't, though? Well, we see Mimi at least flying first class, which would be but, kind of a waste of money if she could. But, but, but that also is in character for Mimi wanting to be in first class and wanting to be pampered a bit. It did mm. look nice. It yeah. did. At the same yeah, that, time, the instant travel, it's hard that's hard to yeah. pass up to. Yeah, that 
that is an interesting point, though. Is are they all? Are they just clones of? Because they could just be clones of the original Digivices in the phones. Because their right, connections right. with the Digimon, it may be that they're limited to whatever the originals had. But yeah, it regardless, it was interesting to see them. I just do kind of wish they went into it a bit more, just because that is very different than even say the goggles in Try, which see something that's there, but don't necessarily do anything special to, as far as the Digimon are concerned. Everyone's still there? Yeah, we're waiting for you to move on. That felt like a good place to... Segue. My segue is normally involved me saying I'm segueing. Do, so segue already. <laughs> yeah. Wait, Mark, do you have a part to talk about the um are you do you have a part you're playing to talk about the uh zero two audio yeah. drama? Uh I this might be a good place to talk about it, so yeah. Um oh. did you not read it, AR? Oh no, I read it. I was gonna I thought we were gonna get to that at the end. Okay, we can read? at the end. Oh no, yeah, we can do that at the end. Um so this is where the bait roughly where the O2 kids start to come in, where Yamato is doing his spy stuff and asks them to check stuff since they are in New York fucking around anyways. And then speaking they... So- of, speaking of Yamato doing his spy stuff, I just want to say, um, as someone who's attracted to men, like, uh, giving us Yamato in glasses, giving us Yamato as a spy, like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, the gla- okay, the glasses. A lot of people have asked about the glasses. I'm reasonably sure those were meant to just be reading glasses. He's not actually wearing yeah, totally. like okay, yeah. That's my point because people were like, "Why is he wearing glasses and then not? Does he have an?" Eye? People were very Who upset about high? people not know how reading glasses work. No, apparently not. And I know you saw some people talking about two AR where people were very upset about this, where like not being consistent. It's like it's reading glasses. That's all it is. Yeah, so how why do- is he getting old? <laughs> Actually, wait. Can you be an astronaut if you don't have twenty twenty vision? Fictional. Even well, one you can <laughs> you can have re- reading glasses with twenty twenty vision. It just. I, it can- I, my head canon has always been that the trip to Mars involved digital gates. So yeah. rules are all out the window. Okay, like, I yeah. found an, a NASA website that clarifies that you can be an astronaut if you don't have twenty twenty vision. So yeah. okay. it, it, it might have been necessary early on, but at this point, I think they're looking for the skills more than something easily correctable. He got LASIK yeah. at some point. Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the O2 kids show up. How, how does everyone like their new designs? It's it, <laughs> I forgot about I forgot to think about their new designs because we saw them. Yeah, a while ago. Daisuke works, and I like that they've sort of given him his own style with the glasses rather than goggles. But it, it's close enough that I don't think many people noticed it wasn't goggles. Um, Iori's Iori. I, I don't want to be mean, but it's just him slightly taller. He's bland. That's yeah. kind of his. Yeah, Iori and Ken are just sort of. They just sort of Iori and Ken. Yeah. You don't yeah. Miyako worked really well, I think. Yes, because yeah. you you know you expect Miyako to be a little more have a little more interesting choices in wardrobe and design 
Yeah. And Ken, when you're not designing him to be evil, he sho- he is shockingly bland. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. that and that's kind of been a joke in even O2 audio dramas and stuff and that he's kind of boring. E- even in no- old the, the O2 audio dramas. Dr- the audio drama here, they really did a good job with playing with his boring. Well, that's the nature. thing is as far as I remember, I'm pretty sure that's all references to older O2 stuff, I'm pretty sure, regarding him, where it basically is revealed that once he's not evil, when he's not pining over having been evil, he's just a very vanilla person. Mm-hmm. But that's uh, what he wants to be, so. Yeah, yeah. And the Digimon, I don't know why, but it felt like Armadimon stole the show despite doing almost nothing. Well, he did one thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Ar- yeah. Armadimon was probably the best okay, of the four. Yeah, okay, let, let's let's go ahead and talk about that cheat, though. Because there is no way to say this is not just a amusing moment cheating. They're trying to figure out how to get into her office, and he literally just slides his finger through and goes Dagya, and it opens with Why no... Not? Oh, no, absolutely, but that is where you just don't want to deal with... The only reason that lock is there is to do that joke because the lock does not matter. And but there's he, beauty just looking on as if they didn't commit a crime. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, they're, 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 they're technically not supposed to be in the country. So once you're at that point, what the hell? Only two of them were concerned about the crime. And that was Daisuke and Vimon as they're cartoonishly Scooby-Doo and shaggying looking back and forth. It, it was nice to see the, them again because they all worked really well in character and um, not weird, but of course the thing is is they weren't originally intended to even be in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was really surprised by that. Yeah. Well, I expect what, what it was was is some of these parts were going to be played by the adventure kids who didn't really have a role to play. And at some point it because you, you're not going to get 24 characters working in a movie. You're just not going to. You could see that potentially. At the same time, you know, the they provided a very little bit of information in the end. Yeah. Like, you really did not need that at all. I'm glad we got it. It was nice to see them. They were fun to have. Not really... I mean, they didn't really contribute much until... I mean, you see them at the end fighting the, uh, the Eosman... They could have done that anyway and still had a pretty minimal role in the movie. Yeah. But yeah, if, if in terms of the, the core A plot and like how much it directly impacts it, I think you can cut out all of it. I think they they just give like an extra little signal to to not trust um yeah. land FBI guy. And mm-hmm. I think I think I can see how they totally could have written it without that. Yeah. After the fact. But I don't think it I don't think it hurts these moments. Like I think these moments felt fun, and it's only no, it, you, like look at it with a yeah, magnifying glass. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, oh, they, they were like they were really fun. Yeah, um, yeah. I, and they really when they showed us the preview when they first announced it, that really was a good shot to show. In the context of what you had to work with in the movie, I mean, the preview. Was that the which one? The meeting Miyako or the Robin yeah with shot? with with them uh, meeting Miyako. The first scene we saw of them back when they were first announced, where 
it starts off with them just standing there, and in the background, you see Vimon riding Armadamon and Wormmon chasing after them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also, I think, the only scene with all four of them that doesn't... Standing around involve, and... Yeah. That doesn't involve them doing... Well, that doesn't involve them heavy... Involve heavy spoilers. Like, all the other yeah. shots of all four of them are them breaking into Manoa's office, which you don't want to show. Yeah. Or them fighting Eosmon, which you also don't want to show. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff worked well. And then we yeah, go back. One of the dub clips, one of the dub preview clips showed off them fighting Aosmon, right? Yeah, yeah, that was one from a week or two before release. And that that dub clip still weirds me out because from that dub clip, when we hear Ankilomon, we're like, okay, Armored Demon's voice is exact gonna be exactly what I want it to be because Ankilomon sounds pretty good. And Armored Demon does not sound good in the movie. No. And yeah, it was weird. It, it's weird. Armadillomon doesn't sound great in the dub, but Upamon and Ankilomon yeah. were fine. Yeah, it's, here's the thing. If you listen carefully to Armadillomon, you can hear there is a Texas drawl underneath. So I kind of wonder if they pitched his voice up to try to match Upamon. Because if you listen carefully, you do hear the sort of, I, I can't do the folksy voice thing. Mm-hmm. But that that is there a few times. And... Because it has to do with that scene, Miyako sounded great in that scene, and she does not work in the movie. Uh, Yoli. Yeah, Yoli was a little off. Like, there was just the a vo- weird... She had a weird voice. The voice... The vo- speech pattern. Like, it was a little slurred at times. The voice worked for me. The, the problem is, is the energy did not work for me. It was too bland. Yeah, that as well. Yeah, the only one that really stood out to me was Hawkman, and I was like, mm, "This is disappointing." But... Ha- ha- yeah. ha- Hawkman was clo- Hawkman is walking into the store wanting X. They don't have it, but they do have the generic brand, so you get that. Yeah, Hawkman's the one where you—that's you know, the one where you actually legitimately miss Neil Kaplan. Yeah, and wish it, he could have made an appearance. Yeah, and to his credit, he was very. Polite, he was especially polite to the actor about it on Twitter. Because they, they, I would hope, they, I would hope so. They chatted a bit on Twitter, and he was being very polite and you know magnanimous about it. Oh, you'll be great. Uh, it's in good hands. And the the actor going, you know, next time, hopefully, there, when there's proper scheduling, you'll be Hawkman again, and blah 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 blah. And it was all very polite, and yeah. But that also um, speaks to how solid a job the new voice of Davis was like, it was like, it was different, but it was Davis was fine. Like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really, yeah, it was fine. I didn't, uh, Davis at all. Davis, you miss because Brian Donovan's such a unique voice. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought I would miss it more because I figured Nimoy was writing specifically for Brian Donovan. Yeah. But that Davis worked well, to be honest. And that was the one that I honestly thought was going to crash and burn. And it was fine. It probably yeah. helps that Davis doesn't talk all that much, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, Jeff, you watched the dub. Onke, have you watched the dub yet? Yes, I have. Yeah. Um, what does everyone think of the new Matt? I mean, he's better than the old one by default. <laughs> yeah, uh, Roy, Roy actually to Roy, complain about new Matt. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. Roy's voice was actually interesting to me because it's a unique voice, but it does sound like he's trying to go off of season one Matt a bit. 
Yeah, I thought like I like as far like as far like as far as tone and cadence went, it felt like it was meant to be original Matt, but the voice was unique and it worked well enough, and he he emotes enough to make it work really well. To be honest, mm-hmm. you get used to it pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, and that's the it's, one where. It, a, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I was going to say it's been a couple of years since I've seen uh, Adventure or Zero Two dubbed, aside from I guess the Tri movies, but it, it was it was similar enough that it didn't really. Yeah, it, it yeah it worked well. Um, trying to think of anything else to go over as far as the dub goes before we move on from that. Hearing Wormon and Stingmon was good, great though. I that and a bit of Vmon, and I, I know Ar generally thinks the same thing. I I could not get into Gabumon's voice. Yeah, Gabumon was off like i've seen too many other kurt thornton characters and i keep hearing all the other kurt thornton characters when i hear gabumon in this yeah he, he he to be fair he was off in tribe but this felt way more off to me um, yeah i kept hearing orbot <laughs> yeah the, the this dub is very generally the dub is very good but it's de- definitely carried by joshua seth and tom fond though who both kind of turned it up to 11 yeah yeah. yeah, I think it, it's a really hard task to redub all of these like iconic and distinct voices that all sound weird and different, and to match them exactly. So, like, I don't think it ever would be hundred percent possible. And I think they did the best they could, especially yeah. in the middle of COVID. No, yeah, you're right. And the weird thing is, is the one that I honestly thought people were going to be the most upset about and ended up not just because she doesn't really say enough to get mad about is Mimi. Yeah, I noticed Mimi was in the few lines she had. It's like, oh, that is that a different actress? I forgot that Felice wasn't back for this, and I noticed it. But yeah, Mimi's so yeah. not in this movie that it's yeah, just she, I think I think she has like two lines. She she has so little lines. Uh, it acts. Yeah, it acts more than that, but it's still like she has like four maybe. Okay, yeah. And Joe was Joe. Yeah, well, Joe was back yeah. from Tri, so. Yeah. And uh, he had even less lines than Mimi. Yeah. And, but we did get a full commentary out of him, which is both odd and amusing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we have the O2 kids breaking into the office. And Armadamon is apparently very amused by the... It was, a, was it a drawing or was it a print? It looked like a print. Yeah. yeah. And... They don't trust. It makes them not trust. See, I'm trying to think. Based on what they said, it sounded more like they didn't trust her. If I'm remembering correctly, were they uh, sort of? No, they didn't trust the assistant because there's like a whole bunch of stuff on Manoa's side. She's researching. Yeah. It's all legit. But who was mm-hmm. who was it that said though that it didn't quite make sense that she could that she was being having the wool pulled over her eyes by something so obvious though. Someone said something about that. Yeah, I someone remember said her. that they were surprised that Manoa it might have been Miyako. Kyotaro. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, there there was some mention that was basically pointing out this doesn't quite make sense when. Yeah. 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 Yeah, they did, but I don't think they really had an idea further than that. Okay. At that time. Yeah, and is that around? When the kidnapping starts? Just about. But going back to the investigation, one point that I really enjoyed was that all of the investigation work that 
the Zero Two kids that Yamato's doing, that uh, Koshiro's doing, Tai Chi having Genai just popping into his room, kind of a cheat, but <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's nice that it, it's a nice picture of how all of the Chosen operate away from actual battle, that they're doing all this sleuthing. It feels like this is not a, this is something that they're used to doing. Maybe, yeah. maybe not on this level of uh, of crisis, but they're they're not they're not strangers to this activity, and this is more of them in their element as opposed yeah. to mundane real world stuff. Yeah. And speaking of Jedi, I thought using him to explain the partner breakup actually worked really well, especially in the context of why wouldn't this have come up before? His explanation actually works really well to deal with that. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was. It was lazy, but we needed something like that just to have an official source confirm yeah. it. And it and him basically pointing out it's sort of like talking about death. People don't generally do it unless they have to. And it worked well enough. And it was nice to see him after him having been a shadow in a tube for a while. <laughs> I, I do think the one of the most awkward pieces of the movie is that uh I don't know, it's like having Jedi or Genai appear and and not even like explaining away anything about about his appearance in Try. Like, like, see, I oh, see, I, I don't movie. see, I don't think you really need to because it's been five years. We know it wasn't him. It yeah. it 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 feels natural enough that with how often they dealt with him in the past, that they would have seen him at some point in the intervening five years. I think it's natural think... to to have like when he appears, Tai Chi like instinctively reacts like it's danger, and then he like calms him down with some like pivotal piece of information that only the real guy. See, I saw I saw it more him popping up in Tai Chi, just not being ready for someone popping out of the damn computer. To be honest, I mean, I think you're both right in that sense. Like Mark's right in that, yeah, the time enough time has gone by that that Genai appearing would be sort of normalized by then. But at the same time, it would have been nice to have some sort of a this is the real one, right? Moment, yeah, even though it would have been it would have been like kind of awkward to write in, given how normalized it probably is in the world. But it still would have been nice if they had done something to Don't just worry. go, no, this is the real one. This is the good. This is the good one. Don't worry, because yeah, like even if narratively it's been five years, like to the audience it's been two, one. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. But I think it. In terms, like on paper, the way we were describing that, like, oh, it's nice to have Genai like have an official source of confirmation. I mean, if we're going to look at the parallels with Try, having a an an adult woman who pretends to be an ally who says something, and then there is a a Genai who backs up that information. Hmm, I mean, that's <laughs> both of those sources have been correct before. Been evil Genai for all but, we. But know. here's the thing: at this point, there is no reason for them to doubt Manoa and. Nothing she actually yeah. says does end up being a lie. Yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I, I'm just pointing out that like it's a little bit awkward that like. No, I, I know, but I, but I think, but I think there is a difference. Then the person that they 100 percent knew they couldn't trust and try, and Tai Chi sees him at the end of try anyways, and knows that it's not Jedi. And in, in my like, I, I understand that for generically if someone watches try and then watches kazuna and it's not completely in their head what happened then yeah it's like wait why are you trusting him but i think narratively taichi knows it's not him and in the intervening years any confusion would have been dealt with and stopping to go over it probably would have not been to the benefit of the movie time-wise 
Yeah. It would not have been to the benefit of the characters, but it might have been to the benefit of the audience. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, I think it's mostly an epic. And what Mark was saying before about um, Genai's, ex- like his actual explanation that like, oh, it's the same reason you, you don't want to talk about, or that people don't like talking about when they're going to die. That was a, a really well-written yeah. way to write that off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, at the and, same time, homeo- at the same time, doing this again—that is one confirmation from Try that homeostasis is kind of a bastard. <laughs> but here's the thing: we don't actually know what the con. It's one of those things where, yeah, it can be homeostasis bastard, or that could just be a natural part of that happening. Because the it, there's weird timeline stuff that comes into play of when this would even have been found out. Because theoretically. The first time that could have been found out could have been Benoa, and by then, partnerships could have already been established, and there's nothing to do at that point. Mm, because... Well, it, I mean, if when Manoa lost Morphomon, because that was before even... The timeline is Mof- Manoa mm, lost Morphomon before even the events of Zero Two. It comes close if you time it out because she's the same age as Tai Chi. She yeah. lost Morphomon at 14. 14. Tai Chi was. Wasn't 14. he? Th- he was 13 or. Da- zero. Yeah, dad's. Ru- well, it's four, 14 in the sub. 15 so in the yeah. but, but what I mean is, is yeah. that's roughly around zero two. Part. It everything could be done at that point as far as people having partners and everything already going is what I mean. There may be no stopping the events once you put them into play. Because when you go to the numbers doubling and stuff like that, that may have been, that may be self-fulfilling at that point that it's happening. It may not be homeostasis manually creating everything. It may be a self-tooling event. So, so the point we're arguing over, like, is does it make homeostasis manipulative to be setting up these partnerships that homeostasis knows are going to expire? Well, no. See, that's the thing. I'm saying we don't know what homeostasis knows and when they knew it is what I'm saying. Well, right. I'm just thinking, like, even thematically, like, I feel like diving deep into the themes of the movie, like, by the end of it, I don't think we're supposed to take away that, like, these kids are worse off for this experience. Like, no, that's the thing. They're not. They're having... not. Yeah, they're all better off for having oh, yeah, loved yeah. and lost. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we can get into the end stuff at the end. So around here is around when we get the kidnapping, and that starts running around, and then Koshiro gets kidnapped. Joe's kidnapped. Me- Mimi's passed out. Although I guess, although now that I think about it, Mimi passed out. Takaru passed out. Hikari passed out. Joe, I believe, was passed out. What happened to Koshiro? He, she does it in the office. Yeah, but he's yeah. Koshiro, Manoa did, confronts uh, Koshiro. Did we directly. see him in the office though? After that, did we? Uh, yes, we saw yeah. his body. Okay, yeah. we did. Because for some reason, for some reason, when I'm thinking of that scene, I see them rushing into the office and him just being gone. For some reason, I'm seeing that. I'm assuming I'm no. just re- misremembering it. Then. They found his corpse. It's all good. Okay, that's that's <laughs> yeah, fine then. That, yeah, they just said the Tentamon was gone. Okay, that's fine then. For some reason, my brain just kind of went, they went into an empty office. 
But okay, I'm just re- misremembering that then. Um, on, on this note, one note, one part that felt to me, I thought this was a plot hole when I first watched it, and then on second watch, I think it makes a lot more sense that um, when they first go into when it's the our working homage and um, everyone's in the digital space, and it's just Manoa and FBI guy that are in the office. Um, I was thinking like once we later learned that Manoa's evil, right? I was like. Didn't she have complete access to his computer then? Like, couldn't she have taken the data on the digitescent then? Why didn't she take all that then? And I think on rewatch, what you're supposed to get out of it is that she, when they're busy, she's actually getting information on the other, the, the main kids. Like, she gets the surveillance data on um, Hikari, Takaru, and the others, and then doesn't fit because Omegamon interrupts things and gets split apart. Then she doesn't get to finish downloading everything. Isn't okay. Me? See, that's, yeah, that's the that's kind of the impression I see, got. See, I, I I had taken it as that she already had the information on them because they were so well known, and that she was not able to do anything because Kiyotaro was right behind her. Oh, and because oh, he's watching her. Huh? Yeah, and that any because here's the thing: she has to know what he's up to. So I, I took it as her basically pretending to help, and then once, even if she had planned to try to sneak it behind his back, once Omegamon shows up, it's, um, I believe it's even mentioned in an interview, she hasn't seen Omegamon before. She's heard of him, and she's legitimately interested in seeing what that is. And at that point, she, mm. her dist- she doesn't have the attention to try to do anything. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. yeah I'm not so sure about that, but yeah, um, yes, yeah, and you know, you with the kidnapping, Yamato figures out Kiyotaro's with the FBI, which they sort of telegraph that by ha- by pointing the finger at him quite so much and spending so much time running after him, but it worked well well enough. The uh, Kiyotaro sitting there with the gun was a bit much for me. As far as where even he's like, ah, yes, you found my evil plot. Where like he's kind of mocking him when in the room behind him, his brothers knocked the fuck out. That may not be the time. To- <laughs> that may not be the time to fuck with the guy. You know I what I mean? A weird moment of so it's been like a week since I first watched it, right? When it first yeah. came out, and um, when I rewatched it uh, this morning, I I thought I could have sworn there was a moment where Yamato actually had a gun himself. But I realized I was just conflating uh, Kirotaro and and I think also um, the Matt like character in uh, Sarazamai who gets it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yamato I is for, like I was like, when does Yamato get the gun? Oh wait, it doesn't actually happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then um, Yamato and Taichi go to the digital world to stop everything. They see the Neverland. Or the Neverworld in the dub. Yeah, I don't love that change, but it's, it's fine. I, I actually, I actually like the change for one reason. The reference is good. I feel like maybe it's too on the nose. Like, especially when she starts talking about not growing up, stay a child. It Neverland might make it just a bit much for me. I understand the reference, and it makes perfect sense. I just didn't mind not having it, but I also understand why a lot of people might. Be disappointed that's not there i just thought it was maybe a bit much i mean it, it keeps it simple i think on the nose isn't the worst thing to be right there it sort of is a sh- it's a shorthand for this is what's going on here. yeah no you yeah 
Um, on the note of um, dub changes, there was one tiny little dub change earlier when um, when Manoa is confronting Koshiro or Rezi, and um, it was that uh, in the dub she says that oh, I forget exactly how it's set up, but basically like that the the digitessen that she's made unconscious they asked her to, and I don't believe Japanese, it was the the connotation in both is she believes that they want to be right. right i think i think that's a lot clearer with the the way they translated like in japanese she's just using the word nozomu so it's just like wishing like a personal wish and she's interpreting the wish um but i thought when i first watched the dub i thought she was just like blatantly lying and was saying they directly asked well that's um, the thing is, is yeah. i i think she's lying to herself yeah, yeah about totally. what everyone wants it's just a matter of like how evil is she like is she so evil that she's going to like Gaslight Kushro or is she see see I don't I don't think see see I don't think she's evil I think she's crazy I think I think that in this case like here's the thing if you go to try with Maki Maki's doing everything for herself there's no there's nothing she's doing that is meant to be for anyone except for her Mm -hmm. she's being evil and ruining stuff specifically because she wants her friend back Minoa. As far as she's concerned, her friend's gone. Everything she's doing is for other people. Wrong or not, I don't quite take her as being evil because in her mind, she's helping. She's not actively harming anyone as far as she's aware. Yeah, I, I totally think by the end of the movie, that is, I think that's, that's totally what we're supposed to think, that she is, she's trying to help people. Her her barometer on what people actually want is totally off. Yeah. But it's just um, the way the dub delivered that line Bit made, more impact. It made, me, it made me think that she was like not just delusional, but like uh, consciously lying about them oh, okay. asking to do mm. it. So, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's kind of why I was confused initially. Yeah. I like, wasn't sure how much to read into her villainy. Okay, yeah, um, I, I yeah. just, I just took it as her. I just took it as a different version of that delusion. I do wish we had more on the process of how Eosman works because I don't I don't really like the idea that Eosman can take someone who is completely unwilling to go. Like I'm not saying that they necessarily are wishing for this, but I you know, I would like it if there was like a small part of them as we saw with the 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 Mako character in the bar that was like, you know, I really don't want to move on and that would be enough to let Eosman in, like yeah, even like if, if it was something as even if it was something as small as that, that would be enough for Eosman to to take their consciousness, and enough for Manoa to convince that they actually wanted this. Well, I, th- well, I, I think, think that that would be important to have, and I wish they had shown that a little bit. I more. think functionally, you have that built into every character degree because every one of them is perfectly happy with their Digimon partner around and doesn't want them to leave. So there is the argument that there's at least that little sliver in all of them that they would do whatever they have to to make that happen. And that's subverted mm-hmm. by Taichi and Yamato, who they 100% do want their partners forever, but they will also give them up faster if it means doing what's right. And, yeah. And, and Agum- also they're a little more exposed to the reality of what Neverland actually is, which makes yeah. it easier for them to resist the call. I just yeah. would have liked that to be a little more, you know, I don't want it to be straight up. They're all, I mean, obviously they're not straight up accepting the offer, yeah. but I also don't want it to be Manoa is straight up 
lying as well. Yeah, it makes see, her see, stronger. Yeah, I just I just don't see that she I don't see that she's stable enough to know the difference is the thing. But you I'm, you know what I mean. We're, no, no, know, no, we're no, 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 I do. But, I just believe but, that they're accepting, but I want there to be a, a sliver of truth yeah. to that. But when we have her doing like the the evil wide eye with the head turn, I, I think it's hard to say she's co she's coherently understanding anything at that point. She she does the full on Ace Attorney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we get the initial fight where it's Grumon and Greymon battling the. Adult level Eosmon, and they beat him up, and then we get the sort of weird gem fusion thingy, where she's in the gem, and that sort of causes the ultimate level to show up, and they sort of battle him with Omegamon, who does not have a good time. Oh, one note about the design in Neverland, which I thought was was fantastic, was how when it zooms out and it's it is a butterfly with their yeah. action in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It looked great. And also when they show the kids, um, just like the, ex- I mean, first of all, the, the visual design of showing them like the crystal palaces, the crystal little islands they're on as each reference to like an area from the original show. Mm-hmm. But, but it's also just like the execute, like the music when they're first revealing them, like, uh, like I, I could feel and they're, they're, their faces of happiness while they're stuck in that spin animation. Yeah. It really hit me hard. I was like, oh, mm. they do look so happy. And uh, not not to be too much of a, a bummer on Adventure 2020, but that moment of watching the kids stuck in suspended animation in their original Adventure 99 designs, I was like, oh, is this a portal into watching Adventure 2020? Like, this is what watching Adventure 2020 feels like, kind of. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> see, I see. Not I wrong. generally not wrong. I thought the designs kind of fell into that zone, like Metal uh, Metal Greymon, where just off enough that I'm actually not sure they worked as well as they were meant to. I mean, they, they worked, but the, the proportions were were a bit off to match the way the movie looked, and it just, especially it was um. I think it was Hikari or someone specifically. The proportions looked far enough off that it kind of drew me out. And, you know, they get chased off. And then we get the little pep talk from Gabumon and Agumon, which that worked so well. Yeah, that was that was really important. Because this is, you know, this isn't about Taichi and Yamato choosing to grow up. This is them being basically, they have, being understanding that they have to do this. And I think Agumon and Gabumon pushing them into that, into that and having the motivation to go far enough to actually succeed is really, was really important. Yeah. And then they pop back and Minoa's almost mocking them at that point. And then we get our, then... The other kids wake up and start helping. Oh, and the the whistle moment. Yeah. The whistle moment was fantastic. And the whistle moment's interesting because that's one moment that I could have seen people nitpicking, but they all actually were there for that originally. Mm, except that for the two kids who are off, yeah. not in the scene anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, that's one where I thought people were going to nitpick the scene and would have to point out that they actually are all there when that happens for that moment. But 
no, people generally seem to like that scene. The little flashback of animation worked really well. And thematically, this is that moment where they're they're looking to the past as they head towards the future. Boo! Yeah. Good, Boo. good for your callback. Yeah, you sung in my head. Great. Yeah. And then and then we get our fancy new evolutions, which are in, the. It's interesting because the evolutions actually don't appear to follow the rules the movie set for them, which may tell us some other stuff. Because one thing the movie makes clear is, is if they evolve and if they fight, parts of the countdown timer just break away. And we see that when they evolve to Greymon and Garumon. We see that when they we see a bunch vanish when they evolve to Omegamon. And the timers are actually unaffected by that one, which I think is an interesting... You know, it may not be on purpose just because that is like the crux moment, but it's also based on their bond, not based on their growth. And I wonder if they're trying to say something with that, to be honest. I kind of just like how they're not like that. The names aren't like victory Greymon or like victory absolute mega Kabu Greymon. Like they're just like. Agumon, Bond of Courage, you know, like it, yeah. it's very well, and the mo- and the movie doesn't have them at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we just say that I- I'm getting really tired of them using the Romanized translations for those? Though that's just coming off as really. B- at least Rearize does it, even if they translate it wrong. I I know, cons- for, in terms of consistency, I shouldn't like it, but I. I I really like Yuki's Kizuna and Yujo's Kizuna. Like, but it, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. It doesn't mean anything in English. If you're translating it at some point, like here's the thing. I can understand leaving Kazuna in the title. I'm not necessarily happy with it, but I get it. In the sense of character names, you actually lose the meaning of having the name in the first place because the name the it's supposed to have meaning, and if you don't, it's not translating it to have the meaning, which I think kind of screws it up yeah how does rearize mess it up um rearize is as far as bravery. i know the f- yeah it's the first time they actually bravery, translate it courage. and they do bond of bravery <laughs> <laughs> and, and and yeah and th- now here's the thing bravery does come up for that crest a bit but the crest is always itself called courage so it would have been nice had that been done correctly it's one of those times where the translation's not wrong but it's inaccurate based on usage yeah, that's awkward. So yeah, and then they punch Manoa and Eosman after doing. Let's see, we get um, we get the Macross rockets from Gabumon. We get the sort of wrist flamethrower attack from Agumon, and then they punch it to death. And oh, then she. Good. The, the de- debut sequence when they first appear, I thought it was executed really well. Like when they're it's like the white background, there's like a mist around them. I thought it was. Executed yeah, I have really to be well. honest. I was a bit surprised that was in the movie. I thought that was something they were just fucking around with for the early teasers. It was actually very neat to have that in the movie. Did anyone think in the moment that they were going to? I was like, have they combined? Is this? No, yeah, uh, I did. I was. I mean, I'd I'd known enough ahead in advance yeah. that they weren't going to, but it's you. If you're going in blindly, you do have that fear that they would just be Susanoamon again. Yeah, I mean, I'd seen some of the designs, so I'd already kind of seen that it's like they look like a humanoid 
shape with like what looks kind of like human skin underneath armor. So I was like, oh, well, that could be a design of a hybrid with a human and Digimon. That could be it. Yeah. And then, I don't know, Manoa being arrested and sort of being resigned to it's interesting. I'm not 100% sure how I want to take that, to be honest. I don't know what exactly she's being arrested for even now. Kidnapping. <laughs> Can they prove that? I mean, it. I, I mean, kid, kid, I mean <laughs> kidnap, kidnapping That's and kidnapping. an interesting trial. <laughs> well, remember, remember, Koshiro had evidence that it was her. And the FBI was already on to her anyways. So kidna- kidnapping and mass destruction. Because Eosman's her. But I mean, just kidnapping their consciousness, their bodies are still there. I mean, what, where does the law fall on that? It depends. They did kidnap the Digimon for real, though. So and, and she the did Digimon are all, are all sucked in. So it depends on how much, uh, what sort of laws exist to protect Digimon at this yeah. point. I mean, but Takeru and Akari were physically kidnapped, at least. Yeah, so. they were. Yeah, yeah. that's true. They, they were was ki- arrested for plagiarizing from Maki's plan too much. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the movie moves on to just showing Taichina Agumon at the pier side and Gabumon. And are they supposed to be in a location that we know Gabumon and Yamato? Oh, okay. or are they just so? I, I realized they were both was... over. I thought they were both overlooking the the. Uh... The bay and the Ferris wheel from like different points. I thought they were two sides of the bridge of the Rainbow Bridge. They're both looking at the Rainbow Bridge, but it's hard to. I didn't realize at one point until later. At one point, I thought Yamato and Gabumon were on that balcony from Try. At one point, that's where I thought they were. No, no, I didn't. Yeah, I realized that pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they're just talking and then the quiet moment of them just being gone and the crying effects may have been a bit much for me, to be honest. Has anyone dubbed over it with a bit from Digimon, the movie? No. Of Davis. Cause <laughs> yeah, that, that, that one was a bit much for me also, but yeah, we get the quiet moment with the Digimon just vanishing. And then it was so like, even watching it a second time, like the, the fact, what really hit me hard the second time was how they both of them like start to optimistic optimistically look forward to doing something with them the next day yeah and then like midway through the sentence they're like oh yeah let's do oh oh, oh. yeah yeah and taichi's moment the way his head turns and he just sort of and you know what the cruel part about taichi scene is is they warned us about that one because that's the poster moment it's just Agumon's not there. Where they where they they showed us the image and like this is an important scene in the movie that everyone's going to remember, and you realize that's him standing and turning his head at the end of the movie. It's just Agumon's not there anymore, and it's that's sad and kind of mean that they did that. That's like what last year when they fucked with us with the April Fool's Day joke of the um, Pumpmon and Gatsuman poster. And and put it, them in the frontier. Yeah, and that was the, yeah, and that was their kind of screw with us, and they kind of did it again. And that's the same fucking image. They did it to us twice with the same image. I mean, this yeah. moment is one part where I'm really glad that I didn't like going into the movie. The one thing that I didn't want to be spoiled about was whether they're going to directly lead into or directly contradict the Zero Two epilogue. And 
I guess we'll, we'll probably discuss that more later. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So like, so this moment, I really was on my edge of my seat, like not knowing what was going to happen. Like I knew it was supposed to be a, a tender, sad moment, but I was like, it could go either way. And I'm really glad I got to experience that. Yeah. I'm sorry for people who were spoiled and didn't get that. <laughs> well, it's, I, I was spoiled on that and it, in a way it sort of helps you prepare for that moment, knowing it's going to happen because obviously you do have the questions about how it fits with the O2 epilogue. And so through the movie, I'm sort of looking for ways that it could still fit. And I did find them, thankfully. Yeah. But I yeah, think yeah, if yeah. I had gone in blind, I would have been asking myself those questions a lot harder than I did. Yeah, th- there were there were a lot of questions about that. And I sort of left those out because that's something we very clearly would be discussing. Oh, yeah. Um. But yeah, and then the movie sort of ends and we get the end credits and we get to see a scene, a short shot with everyone. But before that's where it's kind of interesting is, is we see Yamato and Taichi sort of walking forward into their new lives isn't quite the term I want to use, but th- they even point out themselves. They will see them again. They're 100% sure of that. And that's where you find the you find it, really. Yeah. And then we get a shot of each character in the ending. The O2 kids also have their Digimon. The Adventure Kids do not. Although, see, to me, that's interesting because they could still have their Digimon. It could just be pointing out that they are just living their lives in the sense... Because some of them may still have them at that point. It's strange that Takeru and Hikari still had them, though. See, to me, it's not because it's not... it. The movie, I think, shows us enough that it's not based on age, to me. I mean, does that mean that... Well, it's there. There we have that big inconsistency over because you know, is it is it part age? Is it part how ready you are to grow up? Is it part how often you evolve your Digimon? As well, see, the, I, I think it's a, the story seems to suggest that evolving I think, your Digimon too many think, times is going to hasten the process. Like once the timer, even if it doesn't affect how you. Watch I the think, movie. Yeah, I think yeah. it's once the timer begins doing stuff with the Digimon affects it. Up to that point, the it basically when it once the potential is gone, well, you're sort of on an empty gas tank. But the countdown trigger, the countdown timer seemed to be triggered by Omegamon's appearance in that battle. See, I didn't see it that way. I saw it as just coincidentally being when Omegamon's there. Because it doesn't yeah, show because here's the thing. Because oh, Omegamon's floating around for quite a bit before anything happens. To me, it was just qu- to me, it was just a very bad moment for it to happen. At least to me, I, I think this is a moment that really falls down under scrutiny because I think it it really should be a pivotal character change that triggers these things, and instead, it's just in the middle of a battle, and we're left compl- we're left speculating. I don't think we ha- there's I don't think there's any conclusive. There's no way we can conclude from the movie. I think there's evidence in lots of different directions. Yeah, you you aren't wrong with that. I just like that it. I'm trying to think of the way I want to word this, where not everything needs to be told solid answer-wise, and it is done in a way that you can interpret it multiple ways, and I like that. I think in terms of, like, the viewing experience, all of these, like, frustrations that fall apart later, I think they totally worked in the experience, and that's what I care about the most. And it's right. only, like, as, like, a hardcore fan nitpicking later that it kind of disappoints me. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that. 
Yeah. Like I, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, someone asked about uh, if I had A pluses and if I'd ever give them away. I can I can say that even if I did have A pluses in my grade, this would not be an A plus. This would this is this is an A, and that's where it ends yeah. up. Yeah. And that's kind of the end of the movie, but it. it... It's interesting because it does sort of continue the theme uh, for for better or for worse. I do think Digimon is kind of ruts, not the wrong word, but it sort of does do the separation thing a bit too much for my liking. And it works here. It does work here and it makes sense, but it does that tale a little too much because adventure ends with it. O2 begins with the inverse. Tamers ends with it. Frontier ends with it. Savers ends with it. Cross Wars ends with it. And then Hunters does that. Atmon doesn't do it, but does do it for a pivotal character in a way that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I, try- said blog that, I said in my blog that this, this is basically the same ending in a way as Tamers and Atmon, sort of. Well, in just the, sense the idea, of, just the idea of taking the, the taking the partner away and having the main characters go, "I will get you back." Yeah, but that's sort of how adventure ended, anyways. I, I think it was other than other than Hikari. No, they didn't really say, "I will get you back." Well, they they were saying they were saying goodbye under a time constraint. I, yeah. But it, I think it was really cool reading that that interview with the director explaining that like because because it's such an iconic repetitive element in the series that the one thing they wanted to do to make it like distinctive was the like them just disappearing mid sentence yeah where yeah. Just, yeah and that well. that did work well I guess the question here is is do we believe the movie was made in a vacuum of this is going to be the last movie? Or do you think that was 100% just cynical talk? Or do you think it was a case of they made a movie to be the end, but with the mesh of that they could easily do more if they wanted to? That one. The last I think one. it's that one. This this had, along with, for two reasons. One is because this really does it's sort of for the audience as well to, you know, like it's, it's okay to say goodbye. Like at some point you do have to move on and go forward. And I think if they plan to do more with this adventure world, I think that sort of undermines that argument a little bit. Like this is sort of saying, no, we can, we can be done with adventure or this, this world of adventure. Now it's okay. We can move on with our lives a little bit. The other reason I kind of want this to be the last one is this because this is so, this is so loving towards everything in the adventure franchise that came before it. Like it's very fond of original adventure. It's very fond of zero two. It's very fond of try. It has a lot of throwbacks to the movies. Yeah. It's, it just, it's just a celebration of the whole franchise in general. And I think if you were to go beyond that, I'm not sure it's going to have that love in there. I tend to agree. I think there may also be an intention of that you can do more, but theoretically the idea is is if you were to do a sequel to this, it would be something different and the characters would be different. And the idea of this being the last adventure of them is meant to be what they were and not what they will become. I think think that if you're going to do more, then it's... I mean, there. it feels like anything beyond that would be sort of an obligatory sequel to answer the question of how they get them back. 
or they're going to do the the fast forward of 2027. And you're, you're right, but I think I think having that ending to any degree does suggest at least some degree of thought of maybe there will be more because at the end of the day, when you do a separation plot while also admitting that that's not how it ends and you know that's not how it ends, it is kind of a wink that there may at least be a thought in there of how you would do more. At yeah, least think, to a degree. I think strategically, at the point where you're trying to leave things open enough for the epilogue to exist, then that's also leaving a door for potential yeah. things down the yeah. road. And, and yeah. I think it's like, this movie definitely felt to me like, this is a, a big stamp on this timeline, but like... That doesn't mean forever. That could mean, I think it means like for now. For yeah. We've been in this mode mm-hmm. of like perpetual adventure nostalgia since the 15th anniversary or a little before that, maybe. Yeah, and so like, I feel like that's, this is the end of that era. And if we're like excited, if we're like, if we feel like it's been a long time, five years from now, I think they totally could do another movie yeah. in this, in this vein. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I suggest I asked the question last week, like based on what we're seeing of the reboot, will there be nostalgia for the reboot as strong as we have nostalgia for this adventure? Because of all the issues yeah. I kind of I've pointed out before yeah. that I think most of us have with the new adventure series, like it may it may be an entertaining watch, but it may not have as much of a lasting impact as this adventure does. Well, it may also be superfluous because we may very well be in the era of it turning into something like a Katara where it's not ongoing and we may have the show end and then six years later, Digimon Adventure starts again. It it may, it, it, I'm not saying for sure. It may have hit the point where they've decided other stuff is only going to work so often and they're just going to redo adventure every X years. Yeah, well, six years from now, that's when they do this stuff with the kids. But but that's what I mean, though, is, is it may be at the point where Digimon is just adventure. Even if you look at other stuff happening like Survive, that's pretty much mm-hmm. just adventure. It does seem to be steering that way, and yeah. I and do th- lament fa- that a lot. And mm-hmm. well, the fa- the fans are the one who steered it that way. Yeah, though. that's that's. Yeah, you're not wrong. L- just, like like, how, it like can't be. It doesn't mean I can't be sad. About oh no, it. no, absolutely. I'm just. I was just more pointing out like how many times have they tried to do other stuff and it savers fell on its face, cross wars fell on its face, Atmon fell on its face. At some point, they're not going to keep trying when fans aren't going to bite past a certain point. I mean, I, I think you and me, I, I don't remember how Onke and Jeff felt about it, but I liked that mon. It wasn't great, but I actually rather liked it. I loved the characters. Yeah, I like that mon too. I wish they did a continuation. Yeah, I, I think Atmon's, I think, I don't remember if this was AR or Onke, I mentioned this to the other day. Atmon has fallen into the ultimate trap of a brand. It was. It's not a failure enough that they would just go, okay, Atmon, never again, and then they're shoving it all into Digimon, and then it's just there, there in the mother brand. But neither was it successful enough that they just would continue on. So it's sort of into that zone where every once in a while it comes up in the brand, and that's about it for now. And yeah, I mean, I liked Atmon. To me, it was a little bit, a little too childish for me. Like, it just felt a little bit for a younger audience than in other Digimon seasons. But I, th- yeah. I think Atmon would have been a fantastic and well-regarded and loved 
thing if it were more of a like if it were more treated as an individual season like if digimon if digimon were still being pumped out like precure at this point with yearly incarnations and atmon was just one of those instead of an attempt to revitalize the brand under a totally different offshoot i think maybe different (laughs) or like it it would be a regarded as a great season of digimon but instead it's like i feel like it had all this weight on it to revitalize the entire brand and couldn't live up to that yeah i have to be honest that that's where um, when arguments come up about it, May was always great with what they would say about it. Someone would complain about that Digimon spinoff, and May's response would be, why don't you like Tamers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, in the chat, why don't you guys throw up questions, we'll start burning through the ones that were sent in before by people. Uh, favorite scene in the movie? AR, do you want to go first? I like what Jeff was talking about with the montage um, right after the opening, the, the, you know, what Taichi working at the Pachinko parlor and having his being alone with his convenience store food and his single beer in the fridge and Yamato looking at the harmonica and the, the busker and the, on the street and wondering what he's doing with his life. And I, I think that, that was such a great uh, tone setter. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, it would have to be when they enter into Neverland, Neverworld, and Manoa is standing there, and she's trying to persuade them to join her side, Taichi and Yamato. And they take a step back because they're so overwhelmed by her pressure. You can see that like part of them wants to go to her, and then mm-hmm. Agumon and Gabumon turn around and just like shut them down, like say, we got to focus, do our job. I thought that was great. That was the first moment I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Jeff? Uh, I think mine, I mean, the, the ending, the goodbye scene is, is too obvious, so if it's not that, I think it would be the um, the like little montage of seeing the kids frozen in, in Neverland. Um, seeing them in their little like, their little crystal islands. Yeah, so that yeah, that was reactivate a lot of nostalgia. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think what mine is. There's so many. The problem is there's so many small good moments that I think of, and I go, but that's not really like a favorite moment. That's just something I liked, and I kind of keep. Wa- I don't know why I keep wafting back to that stupid bridge. To be honest, because it's just something you don't see in Digimon, and like it means. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the ending. It's a cheat, but I don't want to go with the bridge scene because nothing. Ha- there's nothing happening with the bridge. It's just a weird animation <laughs> moment that doesn't. It, it's yeah, ending. I'm going with the was, lazy answer. I was tempted to say that that entire fight sequence because it was such a a fun way to start the movie. Yeah, with Braveheart and everything. Else... Yeah, it was really well paced and drawn. Yeah. Did anyone else think when um, when Angemon first appears, it's like you see the shadow silhouette on the ground, and I was like, "Oh, it's Magna Angemon," because there are like lots of wings. And then it was like, "Oh, it's only Angemon." I don't know if that was intentional because I feel mm. like the shadow had more wings than the Angemon's supposed to have. But if if it did, I didn't notice. To be honest, I sort of just saw the shadow, and then it the camera turns, and I see him. If it did have more, I didn't notice, but it might have. I mean, some live fact-checking I'm seeing now that Angemon always canonically has six wings, so I'm just I'm just wrong. So Oh, <laughs> okay. Okay, then someone wanted to know, I don't get why some people keep saying Try was trying to have O2 not count, and the same for Kazuna with Try. 
the the not the wording okay oh, I, the, I think i i got a different perception of the wording of that okay well you go first. answer the way you think answer okay. the way you think it's supposed to be um people have a bad habit of not paying attention or wanting to view it through the lens of how they've decided what's being said to them because like so you're, you're asking about them asking about why they think that both try and Kazuna are not are not trying are trying to dismiss what happened in zero two and try respectively that's what I thought was being asked okay okay uh, okay uh, what what do you think's being asked oh I was I was thinking about a um a compare uh, comparing the two how try treats zero two versus how Kazuna treats try yeah that's how I read it see I took the word count as meaning like not happening. Cause that's something that has been brought up with both recently. I mean, it, it has. And I, yeah. I think, it, I think it's a fair question to ask either way. Like clearly like try does try to have zero to count and Kazuna tries to have try count. Yeah. I it, think it's, it's I basically, think, I think saying, saying otherwise is just sort of, yeah, like not, you said, not, not watching paying the movie. Yeah. It, it's yeah. the, it's thematically the same thing I said with try is is zero two is relevant to a degree to try, but by and large, it's not the story. And certain things make sense to have, and otherwise, they try to not deal with it because it doesn't benefit that story. Here, minus showing Mako and Mekuman in Neverland. There's some thematic things that come through, but as for actual visuals, there's not much that would make sense to show. I mean, what do you show that Taichi has two pairs of goggles? It, it, there's, there, <laughs> yeah. there's, just, there's, there's nothing to show that makes sense for the movie, so you just don't show it. It comes up in sequels and stuff like that all the time. There's some things you just, they're not relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think as far as both as continuity, characterization, and messaging, I thought Kazuna worked try in just fine i thought yeah you know i i had no issues with it yeah yeah if, if we're talking like do they acknowledge like are, are they definitely in continuity i think definitely try consider zero to continuity and mm-hmm. you know it treats try as in continuity mm-hmm. but if we interpret count as like does it meaningfully impact the current story i i totally am of the mind that Try treat zero two like it doesn't count, and Kizuna. see, I actually really disagree with that because there's zero two stuff throughout Try. There's certain thematic things that, like here, like Hikari and Takru specifically, they act more like grown versions of what we see in zero two than necessarily what they were in Adventure. At least to me. Uh, Takeru, yes. Hikari, not so much for me. I think it's a little inconsistent. I think some of the characters in Try are absolutely inspired by who they are in Zero Two, and I think other characters in Try are not as much yeah. reflective of the growth they had in Zero Two. I think it's kind of a mixed bag there. Yeah. I think as far as Try incorporating Zero Two, I think that was they were just hampered by time and the story they wanted to tell that yeah. they just didn't get a chance to incorporate as much Zero Two as maybe they wanted to and maybe they should have. Yeah. To, to me it's like the way that that zero two impacts try is the way that it feels kind of like zero two was like quote unquote unacknowledged or didn't count is just that like zero two radically shifted the both in terms of like characters that were important to the plot and in terms of the like plot mechanics like it shifted the world a lot over the course of the season and try 
But a lot of the things that were foregrounded in Zero Two become backgrounded in Try. Whereas going from Try to Kizuna, Try kind of wraps up in its own plot all of the things. Like there are things that are backgrounded in Kizuna, like Mako, but Try wraps up Mako's story and sends her off to a different uh, different prefecture in the story of Try. So it didn't feel like Kizuna was writing her off or anything. It was just like, oh yeah, yeah. her story's yeah. done. And yeah. it should mm-hmm. See, I was more thinking of how Zero Two changes certain world elements that are 100% part of what's happening in Try. And that sort of continues on to Kizuna, where in Zero Two, we do see that there are more kids who have it, and we see the beginnings of some sort of community with that. And Try adds that by pointing out that they are in touch with each other, and they're talking. And Kazuna builds on that even more, to, at least to me. It, it does, but Try also change try also takes a couple of the things from zero two as jeff was saying and changes some of them back like the gates being closed is probably the biggest one yeah like the fact that in zero like the gate i guess because the gates being closed but like try definitely acknowledges that there are worldwide how do they 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 misspell digidestin don't they like yes like digidestiny or something I, I, i believe there's an extra i in there and they also <laughs> they also put Iori on the screen twice, as I remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, his clone is there too. Um, but uh, yeah, it the evil so like, it definitely like it's definitely there on paper. Like they definitely that the check box is is ticked. But yeah. in terms of like plot relevance, it's like like I like how this movie was felt like okay, the zero two kids are there, the worldwide Digitestin or Chosen Children are there, and I felt like those are the kind of things that like. We're only there on paper in like the background of of try, and it's because they weren't important to the story. Yeah, but it's um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it, it gets weird when when you're also talking about that sort of thing. Is is you start to bounce back and forth between is it important or is it a reference, and that's that's come up in non Digimon arguments I've had recently, which I won't get into, but it, it comes up a lot about what is actually something of of depth and what is actually a reference. And I generally think that like the O2 stuff that shows up in Kazuna is generally it's referential, but it's meant to have meaning at least. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, yeah, it's about like focus and try didn't focus on much that was brought up in zero two. Whereas Kizuna focuses on a bunch, like the entire premise is about the worldwide community and But it doesn't. But yeah, Kizuna does not focus on anything brought up in Try. And I, I guess if you if you really really love Try, I could see it being frustrating that like Try left all these plot threads, not only left a couple of plot threads dangling, and this movie doesn't care about those. Yeah, I, I feel like there's I was saying there is a question later on that kind of talks about that. Yeah, so. I, I feel maybe, like maybe in, we can touch on that when we yeah, get to that yeah, question. Yeah. We'll touch on that more, but just to go off what Jeff said, I, I think I still I'm still solidly about what I said about Zero Two and Try. I don't know how much of Try would have been relevant to bring up outside of the thematic stuff that feels like was integrated. I it felt it felt like if they had tried to tie up some of the loose ends and try, it you would wouldn't have had a movie. So just it would have been doing so just for the sake of doing that. And yeah. I don't think Kizuna owed that to Try. Like no. I love Try, and I didn't yeah. find any any issues about no, how Try was treated in this movie. Okay. Now this one, ironically, it's the next one that was sent, and someone in the chat said roughly the same thing. Um, if they would continue adventure, do you do you think they would show stuff like marriages and them in the midst of having kids? 
in that sort of follow-up, or do you think they would just jump ahead to them being adults with kids and doing that adventure? Weren't there interviews where they said they were really scared of having to even touch on that? I like that's believe... one of the reasons Sora was so isolated in this movie is because I, they didn't I, even want to want to go I, there. Yeah, they sort of they sort yeah. It's basically the same they kept with try, which is they want to touch on it, but they're also not willing to deal with it entirely. But try yes, was also, try was also weird in that they didn't, you know, they didn't want to play with, they didn't want to have Yamato and Sora still dating, but at least they had conversations and they talked about it and they teased some things. Yeah. But yeah, here they're like, no, we're not doing anything. So and to be, to be I fair. Feel like the, I feel like a continuation would probably have to. I, I think, I, I don't think a continuation would want to go down that route. See, I think, I think if you do keep telling tales with them, at some point you do have to stop for lack of a better phrase, babying the audience over what they want to see. Because if you do keep telling the tale, at some point you are almost obligated to tell the tale. Which is why I'm, I think that they're hesitant to tell the tale. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, yeah, I'm just frustrated with them dancing around it for so long. Like, yeah. either don't go near it or dive into it. Yeah. yeah. AR, how do you plan to integrate the movie into your fix? You mean oh, the, I, forgot, the, I forgot Dalek stands for the movie. <laughs> I know, me too. That, that yeah, well, when, yeah, when I got I the question... We should, not, I, I, we should not be using that acronym, just yeah, saying. When I got the question for a moment, I'm like, what the fuck is this? And then I'm like, oh, wait, that those are the initials, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, the, so they come in and exterminate everybody in the cast, and that's how it's going to be. No, um, so you're talking about my series named Neverworld? Um... Awkward. Oh, we're never we're never gonna hear the fucking end of that, are we? <laughs> oh my god. Um at least it's thematically appropriate. So oh yeah, what what I'm gonna do is it's there uh, there's a little bit of a nod towards it towards the end because um well I guess I can't give too much away about the ending of my series. Yeah, but don't spoil your shit. it's just yeah, I'm not gonna spoil my stuff. How, how, okay, uh, okay, how, how about how about this? Other than nods, do you intend to have movie shit no. in your story. Okay. Well, the thing is, the latest anyone shows up from the Adventureverse in my world is 2008, and Manoa losing Morphamon presumably before Zero Two does make it hard to get her in. Okay. okay. And she, given here, how much I... my story... Well, also my also my story talks is deals so heavily on Maki and Mako and how they're grieving their, the loss of their Digimon differently. Introducing Manoa at any point really would mess up with that and would have had to be part of the equation a lot. Okay, I, I'm so. going to pitch you on an idea, knowing nothing about what you're writing. Are you ready? Oh, good God. Koshiro gets a girlfriend, and she's a clone of Manoa named Nemoa. I'm already dealing with a Koshiro uh, romance subplot. Yeah, so. that, that that's why I went with I don't read your stories, because I figured you might already have. Okay. Yeah, there's a long there's a long ship tease in this story between Koshiro Izumi and Izumi Oromoto, which I just find yeah. hilarious. I love Aquaman, J- Jason Namoa. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> okay, and then okay, the next one has to do with the audio drama. We can talk about the audio drama here. Someone wanted to know, do we think the O2 audio drama was mocking the show? Everyone felt kind of dumb and it was kind of a comedy. I kids don't think are dumb. What yeah, do you want? Yeah, like, like, <laughs> yeah. It, it, Those kids are dumb. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember who drew it, but in my mind, the way the characters work when they're not fighting shit is that one piece of fan art where it's 
Miyako and Daisuke fighting over a cookie or something. I don't remember what yes. it is. Yeah. We're like, that is effect that is effectively how they like yeah, yeah, they're both just feral going yeah. after this cookie. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, this to... is what you. The thing is, the audio drama. This is what you signed up for with the Zero Two Kids. This is why we love the Zero Two Kids. This yeah. is who they are as people. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's just. It's just them. Yeah. If you well, think that they're, if you think that they're being treated as dumb, you're correct because they yes. are. Yeah. It it also kind of falls into not wanting to fall into the trap that the Tamers audio drama fell into, which is telling a story that tries to have relevance and ends up having none because. That's it. Here yeah, they I mean, cho- I mean, it's still, an, and for as dumb as it is, uh, it still does tee off their role in Kazuna. Yeah. Like, well, here's it's the still thing. effective at well, here's being, the thing. Here's at, the thing. working in it, continuity. Here's the thing. No, it actually doesn't tee off their role, because the audio drama itself sets up something happening, which then does not happen, and even the characters go, that's not happening. Oh, well, off to the movie. Because remember, yeah, they all plan. They all plan to go to New York together and do stuff. And then after the end theme, it's just like next up's the movie. And then they're all like, "No one showed up but us." Oh well. Where they do tell their own story, and then they find a way to bridge it to the movie. And yeah, it's funny and stupid, but those are kind of the characters. And I there's not much story. What you're not going to tell much in 24 minutes when you're basically the bonus audio drama to the movie. Yeah, I'm not sure. I haven't read too many of the audio dramas, so I'm not sure what people expect in this regard. But like, I wasn't expecting some like no it, pivotal it, story. Like, it was it was a fun little episode. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, well here, the, there, sorry. Go ahead. The thing about the audio dramas is adventures are incredibly silly. Um, Tamers is generally a little more serious. Frontier is kind of both ways. Zero Two is tend to be a little more of both sides of it. Like, you've got the one Armor Evolution one that's generally incredibly silly, but there are also some very serious Zero-Two audio dramas. So, if you're talking about what to expect, you don't really know what to expect with audio dramas. I like that it was framed as basically just an episode of O2 that happened to be catching up with them after so many years. I just like that it was fun, yeah. Yeah, and it it had all the O2 music and the mysterious, uncredited director, which it feels like it could only be one of two people. It's either Taguchi, who decided he didn't want to be credited for the audio drama because he's credited for the movie, or maybe Kakudo slightly got rid of the bug up his ass about the movie. Maybe a bit. Because it feels like his directing, to, to, to be honest. Yeah, I haven't actually also... I have not I have not actually heard the audio so I couldn't tell you. Yeah. But yeah, usually but... in the credits it's really rare for them to leave out yeah. that direction. Yeah, yeah, that would be strange. Yeah, so it's either Kakudo agreed to come back but wanted to be uncredited after his I'm not going to be involved or it's Taguchi and he chose to just be uncredited for whatever reason. It feels the audio feels like Kakudo to me though, to be honest. The only reason why it may not be is I feel like if he was director, he probably would have been running the audio board, and he's not credited for that. But it, audio drama was nice, and it it's fun. It's Scooby Doo. I am perfectly happy with it, to be honest. I, I like the little background detail, which would kind of got the movie a little bit too. That like the fact, like the reason they hide them to go into the karaoke room 
isn't because Digimon need to be cheap in this world. It's because, yeah, they want to save the money because they would cost more money to get into the karaoke room. <laughs> yeah, that, that was fun. Uh, like, yeah, like everything about the karaoke antics was great. Yeah. Um, Although it does kind of break continuity with the movie a little bit in one way. They, they very much are acting like they haven't seen Miyako in a while in the movie. Mm, yeah. When in theory, when in theory, they would have seen her what the day before or the same day, even. You don't know how long they were in New York. I feel like that was meant to be a day trip, at least to me. But you are correct; <laughs> it could have been longer. Um, then okay, this one popped up from a lot of people, and it's been mentioned in the chat. Even what do we all think about Sora making the choices she did? Do we think that was selfish? Do we think that was okay? What do we think of... Because it's also weird because to have a full picture of what's going on with Sora, the full picture is different if you see two Sora or not. And what you may notice in the movie or not also. I mean, the choices she made are in character. Yeah. They're definitely in character. And I definitely don't think they're selfish. I think that was a really weird way to word the question like taichi yamato i mean honestly taichi yamato shouldn't have expected to live off of being a chosen forever and you know with that you can't expect others to be held to that that eventually they're going to move on with their lives like sora was just done with that part of her life and it happens with anything that you love eventually you're just going to be like okay i need to go in a different direction and there's more than enough chosen out there to pick up the slack. So no, it definitely wasn't selfish. Like I have issues with how it was portrayed in the movie. Like it was really vague and it felt, she felt so detached from the movie and you do kind of need to watch the short to understand it. I think I still don't completely. And I still have questions about exactly what transpired there, but no, as far as she was, as far as the decision she made and whether it was selfish or not, no, it's fine. Yeah. Um, short, short, short film aside, I think it works well enough in the movie showing that she just can't. The only issue is, is they really shouldn't have done the flash of the Digivice. They should have, even if not telling you whose it is, that should have hung a bit longer. I, if that's what, yeah, yeah, if, that, if that was supposed to be Sora's, they really needed to find yeah, that, that. That was 100% supposed to be hers. I, I yeah, think but that, one uh, way I first saw that, I thought it was Manoa's actually. Yeah, that's one of those things where if they had shown it to us more clearly, even not telling us it was hers, then I think it would have more easily shown why she's not helping. I, I think making it a flash was the disservice. I yeah. think adding, adding. Sorry, go ahead. Even then, you know, having that countdown timer show up on her Digivice, like she should have, you'd think she would have at least notified somebody and said, hey, this is happening. Does anyone know what's going on here? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, is I, I think it's happening so quickly I think they're off doing stuff at that point. And she does and Sora's personality is is not worrying other people. She's worrying herself. Well, Because here's the thing. That's that, a pretty big thing that's But here's on, the thing. Though, and... We don't actually know when that appeared. We saw the day before it wasn't there. By the time she's aware of it, everything may be in the midst of happening. That doesn't mm-hmm. excuse it. I'm just pointing out that we actually don't know the timeline there, minus that when she made her decisions the day before, the timer wasn't there. Yeah, well, I'm saying we should know the timeline better. That's just my general complaint with all that. In Fair terms enough. Of her decision, like I think that 
given that she like in the the timeline of the short at least like it seems like she the kind of the responsibility she's shrugging off then is the kind of like run of the mill the fight that we get in the beginning with Paramount where it's like there are plenty of other people who can take up that mantle it's not really a concern yeah. that she yeah. isn't able to contribute so it's it's uh, frustrating that she basically is never like we don't see her getting we don't see like a moment like Joe and Try where she's told of the stuff that's happening and she explicitly says she doesn't want to help out or whatever so mm-hmm. i think her decision to like if she actually had that decision of like do i stay with with Piomon now while i have this limited time or do i do something else like i can see how she would choose to stay with her but we don't see what information she had or even how she yeah. interpret the countdown we, so yeah we yeah. don't know that she knows her time is limited yeah she seemed so. to give off the sense that she knew it was yeah. coming because here's the thing, would... we, know, we know she, at least the day before, she was still getting information from them. It's just, she's tapped out, basically. But I still, but the movie does not necessarily clarify elements more, and it, it does become a problem when you're going, well, you have to go watch the short film to understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have this headcanon that Genai actually came to her and told mm-hmm. her about it the same way that he told Taichi, but there's really no way for us to be able to confirm that anyway. So, Did it involve licking? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe she licked him this time. You know? <laughs> I'm pretty Jeez. sure that's worse. Okay. <laughs> I don't okay. know it's worse. <laughs> okay, the next one was a bit longer. Um, in the movie, the... well, just to shorten the next one, the next one basically seems to be confused about if it's age related and it's not. I I'm, I'm th- th- it was a bit more credit basically points out well why are Taichi, Yamato and Sora first? What about Koshiro, Mimi and Joe? Joe's the oldest shouldn't he have gone first? I think the movie makes it clear enough that regardless of anything we're going to debate on it, it is not age alone. Nope. Right. No, it's, it's not yeah. alone, no. Yes. Cuz definitely- I, I think it does speak to the inconsistency of yeah. what they're presenting. And so that it is, it's very possible to get a lot of misguided conceptions of what is going on here. Yeah. So, like, and then the, the next confusing aspect is that Taichi and Yamato, for most of the movie, are unsure about what they're going to do with their future. And well, I think that I think that's the idea. Is I think they aren't. I think it's more they don't necessarily want to take that step forward. Like Taichi, oh, not I, got, I like, got the impression that Taichi didn't know what he was doing. No, see, I got it more. Like, because here's the thing, if he was just writing a paper, he could have written something. I think it's that he's thinking about it and not sure if he wa- how he wants to move on when he kind of knows that he is. Because he wants if, to be the hero with the goggles. Even if you frame it as, like, does Taichi want to take the next step forward or not? There's no consistent line of, like, because we have characters who have, who have a clear path forward and they're actively taking a step forward. We have characters who do not lose a Digimon. We have characters who did that and did lose a Digimon. Like Manoa is someone who had like a clear vision of the future and like was so blazing down that path that they ended up making a loser Digimon. And then we have Joe who has a clear path forward and went down that path and didn't see to me by the end of the movie. To me, that's actually consistent with Joe, where he does know what he wants to do, but he has so much self-doubt on his ability to do it that it's always in his head that maybe that's not what he's going to end up as. 
Because even at the beginning, I believe even at is I don't remember if it's in two or if it's at the beginning of here where we see him still being nervous with blood and bait. That's a basic thing where he's drawing someone's blood and he's like freaking out. Hmm. Well, it's also I mean, going beyond Joe, it's also it also underscores the the question of the the theme of you know adulthood being limited in your growth. Like you see. Mimi is certainly moving forward with her life, but she is also capable of changing directions constantly. I don't see the potential in Mimi ever diminishing, even as she is moving forward in life. Like it does, it does raise, it raises questions about the whole concept of once you reach a certain point and commit to being an adult, that your, your potential is limited. See, I I think you can view potential as different in that way. Those that, at some point, Mimi will hit the point where she is always going to be Mimi and she could turn on a dime on what she's doing, but she's gaining focus on who she is in that sense. At least to me. Yeah, but she also <laughs> seems like the kind of person that's like, I'm whatever I'm going to do, I'm going to do this with Palmon. I mean, I think this Oof. kind of thing could be explained away with like a quick like infographic in the movie that was just like, showing like all the diverging timelines that a person has in life and just like, Oh, it, it exponentially increases the the younger you are. His, like, his, I should point out his, I, I, while I agree with that historically, anytime you go to an infographic like that in media, you lose a lot of people. I'm just, I'm thinking like, of like, you could have like a pretty evocative, like tree imagery of like, when you're a kid, you have like a million branches. When you are, 10 you have 100,000 when you are 15 you have like a thousand like but i but, but i also think easily. i also think that's why you can't though there always is a branch out out there you can't show it mechanically because to a degree there always will be a different branch to go to and then that confuses the matters a bit for because you've clarified the idea, it so much you know the idea of the uh, the implication is when your time runs out you're out of branches in yeah, a way, right. I feel like that's which what is not about. true. No, that, that's yeah. what I mean. That's, that's, that seems to be the message the movie is trying to convey. Yeah. But accurate. I think that's why you can't show it, because inherently there always will be another branch. But I, I'm thinking you could explain, like, you are an adult now, you still have some branches, but that's not enough to support Digimon. You need this giant tree that a little child has. It's something you could explain. But they didn't, so we're yeah. just left confused. Yeah. Then next up, someone wants to know, um, People said that people didn't like Joe and Tri for refusing the battle, and they didn't seem that bothered with Sora. I well, that that was the first part of the question. I think that a lot of people have been very upset about that, to, as far as I've seen. I think um, that was more with Sora's role in the movie than Sora not participating in the battle. Yeah. And yeah, then they want to know, yeah. And then they sort of go, since he overcame that and his other and Tri, shouldn't he have lost Gomamon first? I think we already mm-hmm. answered that part. To be well, honest. Also Unless anyone because, has more to say about it. I mean, in Try, I never got the impression that Joe refused because he wanted to. I think he felt like he had yeah. to. And then it was, you know, coming to realize that his obligations as a chosen are just as important. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, it's sort of a different thing. Like, if Joe was absolutely committed to becoming, to moving forward and becoming a doctor and actually wanted to do that and wanted to move on and abandon Gomamon and wasn't like, oh, Gomamon shows up. Oh, crap, this is a huge problem. I don't want you here anymore. Like, he was happy that Gomamon showed up. He wanted Gomamon to show up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
If that was, if he had a different reaction to Gomamon appearing at first in try, I think maybe you have a case there as it's portrayed. I'm not sure that that's a good parallel. Yeah. And then someone said, okay, tweeted about the commentary a bit. Was there more interesting stuff or was it mostly just that? Uh, it was mostly just that the rest of it, they had like little side information on the voice actors. I wasn't really sure if anyone was interested in hearing that anyway. So yeah. Okay. Someone wants to know, do we think we will get the other Memorial story shorts? I'm going to assume they mean outside of the back, the backer Blu-ray um, and the screenings at the shops at some point. Sure. I think their intention is, is that those were meant to be specialty screenings and they did the Kickstarter type thing as a sort of extra for the anniversary. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily expect say, free streams of them next year or anything. No, I don't think so. Yeah, because even think of a franchise like Dragon Ball, which does have a bunch of different stuff like that, and a lot of those we still don't have, or they had their initial release and that was it. Um, To me, the the bummer is that, like, to me it sends to release one of them as, like, a way to hype up the movie, but with the movie out and with Adventure 2020, it's a totally separate thing, like, maybe even muddles the brand to release those now. Yeah. You're not wrong. It, Cause it, it is at the point where you actually have multiple arms and someone said they weren't the biggest fan of try. Kazuna felt like an oddly natural evolution from the character storytelling. Do, would we want a purposeful interquel in try to at this point, maybe with a better budget and would we want any of the staff from try to return for it? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I mean, like I, I wouldn't mind having some more information to fill in some of the gaps, but I don't really feel like a whole series is needed or warranted. I think it just sort of it's like let's just move on from it. I think if also, you were going, yeah, if you were going to do it, I think. The, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm like most of the unque- the unanswered questions for try. Like I've kind of worked through in my head, and most of them aren't that difficult. So, like I'm I'm fine with where it is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think if you did, you could just do one movie where they fight not Jedi and be done with it. If you were, I don't think you need a series of OVAs again for it. Yeah, I'm gonna feel so. I'm gonna be honest. I would like to see Motonaga get to come back with a budget because he's known for stretching budgets and coming in under time, and I'd like to see him do Digimon with a bit of more of a budget because. That guy does so. That guy does so much stuff, and it's shocking just how much he bounces around stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it right- just goes. This all just kind of goes back to yeah. probably should have been longer. Like that's what it comes down to. Because yeah, right. And that that's the thing. They may want to do more with him, and he may just not be. But right now, he's doing a Tenshi. So who who knows? I wouldn't be shocked if he came back for something. It may not be try, but. Maybe he could do that horrible Tamers pilot in video form. On the note of of try and sequels to try and stuff, like I think in in the director interview they mentioned that the um, or maybe it was in discussion. I forget now. It's been a blur the last couple of days. But um, that like the success of try was what allowed them to start working on this movie, right? Yes, like, and um, they yeah, they sure. they they started working on it between four, when four. When four was out and five was in production, mm-hmm. and basically 
the success of that is what let them go, okay, we're doing a movie movie. Right. So my question is like, how much of that is uh, like overly optimistic PR speak? Because if Try was printing money, why wouldn't they want to keep printing money? Forever. Well, they actually went over that in that, um, damn, it was the um, stockholder Q&A. Try was effectively get the fans back to at least paying attention to the brand before we try to do something bigger. Basically, is the brand still viable to the fans themselves after various... I'm not sure I want to call Savers Mm. and Cross Misfire, but it didn't do much in the sense of either growing the brand or even keeping fans around. So the question was, can you get that base of fans back where at the very least, no matter what they do, it will at least be profitable if not successful. Okay. So like, so so truck framing, like he's in as more of an ambitious project. Yes. The goal is to do stuff like that. Yeah. The the goal, the goal, the goal of try was basically, can we get the fans back so that it is profitable to, so, so that if we do a big project that the goal is to theoretically get new people, do we at least get the money back from doing that? So we're doing try first to see what may or may not, is there even that base existing anymore? That That's effectively what try was. Try was targeted to see if you can even get those fans back. And that's part of why, as try went on, you start seeing them get crazier and crazier with the promotional stuff that makes them money. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, around try two or three, we start seeing the music cafes. But with the first one, there was two locations. And then by the sixth one, they had it in four or five or six, we, whatever the, all the locations were. Then we were getting the pop-up shops every time. They started doing the card tie, you know, making sure that if a new card booster set was coming out for Battle Spirits, that there were ones for the movie. They started doing the kitchen card towards the end. They had the Agumon and the Pope mobile driving around, waving to people. Where they're more and more going, okay, okay, where they're going, okay, this stuff is making money, so we can do more and more. Where you're getting the theaters were redoing their cafes as tri themed and having their own little pop up cafe events. Basically, it's going, okay, this is going to work, so we can reserve more spaces for stuff. We can do more things. It, it, that sort of thing. And on top of that, there's also a really nice synergy between Kazuna and Try, as far as, you know, they both kind of make up for what the other is lacking. Like, if you're looking for yeah. things in Try that aren't there, you kind of find them in Kazuna. And meanwhile, Kazuna had you know, was allowed to not have Joe and Mimi and Sora not mm-hmm. allowed to have them not in the movie because they were featured so heavily in Try. Mm-hmm. So there's, yeah. a, I think it has a really nice symbiotic relationship with, with Try and they kind of one, you know, it's, it's best that they both exist and yeah. having a world where only one of the two exists is just, is sort of leaves you a little emptier. Yeah. And that is also I'm where stuff, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I'm just gonna say I'm glad that they took the approach of Tri's story not being fundamental to this movie because mm-hmm. they're. I think it would have been flawed if they did that. To be honest, because 
the goal is to try to do something bigger and see right, right. Yeah, and it's also it also would be one more piece of continuity you have to remember and keep track of in a in a universe that's already getting a little full of itself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I love how this movie like if people ask like, do I need to have seen all of Try? It's like, no, you don't. Just go watch this. And if you're revitalized to watch more Digimon, you can go and watch Try. Like maybe Mm -hmm. get to your favorite characters if you if you miss them in this movie. Yeah, what I've generally told people is you absolutely don't have to, but you do actually miss out on character stuff that actually does matter if you don't. But story-wise, not really. Yeah, it's interesting because I actually have a friend and his girlfriend watched the movie and she only knew Adventure from the reboot, but she ended up just crying afterwards. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, so it is kind of the weird thing where that is where, like, when Try ends, they sort they do the teaser where like, no, 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 don't don't leave. There's gonna be more, and basically the 20th anniversary promotional stuff basically made them go, okay, the audience is here. We can start doing more, and you know the movie's already in production. They start doing the TV show. The TV show may be a little bit early, if we're being honest. Because it does come across as a bit of a joke that they're prom- that at the end they're promoting it being done and they're promoting a reboot at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's not as big of a joke as a lot, what a lot of us expected in them announcing another follow-up movie to Kazuna. Yeah. As Kazuna was, as, after, while you're still crying from Kazuna. Yeah. I mean, Naruto has, like, Naruto colon the last, and there's movies after there's Boruto after that right so yeah yeah but, but and that's uh, in continuity yeah but at least but that one is kind of framed well as basically being the last story that's meant to be of them at least which is why they can get away with a you know yeah. if they wanted to do something with the kids in five years yeah um after watching the film why do you think Kakudo quit i mean it i um, it's got to be the idea of the way the bond, you know, you yeah. lose the bond over time. I, that it feels mm-hmm. like the only thing that would be major enough to cause that sort of a reaction. Yeah, I agree. Like even if they, like even if the, you know, that they, you know, intended to keep the epilogue in continuity, like they left themselves enough space to do that later. But the overall messaging of the movie is that that's not supposed to be the norm, and that eventually these bonds do break. Yeah. I think uh, for Kakudo, his idea of the Digimon partner is that it's the mirror self of the human. So losing the partner altogether just does not fit with his idea of what that partnership is. So he was like, that was the deal breaker. Yeah. See, to me, yeah. th- that that's actually why I would have stayed. Because, yeah, you're not going to change what the plot is. But you could have focused it and added in clarity that maybe could have added to what you wanted to say. But I think what he wanted to say isn't was, quite was, what the director, yeah. what the what the movie itself wanted to say. I think there is I, a, a I, I very agree. difficult bridge I, to cause to have there. I agree with you, but it also it does show that historically he is kind of stubborn to the point that when he <laughs> argues with fans about Sora not having a birthday. I mean, yeah, I mean, although that's, like, how he went about that, I'm not the biggest fan of, but having seen the movie now, 
I oh no, I it. yeah, I, I do, but I think that's when you stay and you try to help focus it and bring um, clarity I'm, to it. I'm... I, I don't know. I think it's hard when you have a like thing that you are so personally invested in. You have a clear vision of yeah. what it should look like. No, you're to... you're right. You're you're yeah. absolutely right on that. Is is I, I get to say this being somewhat detached. He doesn't necessarily get that. He doesn't get to have that. It's something that's been part of his life for twenty years. Mm-hmm. The thing it reminds me of. I th- I forget what the source of this was. Maybe it was recent tweets that Onke translated. Um, it was like maybe it was like when he was rewatching the show for the re-airings, but talking about the um how like the concept of the partnership was like kind of like a natural evolution, like the next stage of humanity, kind of. Um I don't and, recall to be honest. Yeah, I donh. don't remember. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm making some mm-hmm. well here, here's the thing. He, he said he said he said a lot he said a lot over the years. It's easy to get mixed up what he said and when. Yeah. The the one thing we could yeah. be sure of that he said is is they never intended it to be thirteen episodes. That's one that he's answered many times <laughs> oh at God. this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I mean his viewpoint on how the, the partner on his perception of the partner human, I think that that's one thing that a lot of people who maybe only watched only read the novels or and found out the information through spoilers are going to have an immediate negative reaction to this, that that no, this bond breaking is was supposed to be the norm like that idea of of the bonds or you know the the human partner relationships are supposed to be these you know great relationships that are supposed to last forever like that's one of the reasons that you can still be have some sympathy for for maki and try because you know this this relationship that was just sort of cut away early and that's i can see how that would rub people the wrong way i was initially a little put off by it as well until you watch the movie and you see how they sell it. Yeah. Yeah. Like on a meta level, I think I just went through years of being frustrated with try like not changing the status quo much. Like we were talking before about like not wanting to like advance or change the relationship with Sora and stuff. And um, so the fact that this movie like completely reframes the epilogue in terms of like, before we thought of the epilogue as like the relationships and bonds with Digimon partners will like continue to grow continually. And it's always going to get better. And instead this, you know, like this leaves a room with the epilogue, but I think makes it seem more like, no, it's going to get cut off and they might come back when they have kids or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I really appreciate how it completely reframes and changes my, my view on the series. Like it changes that epilogue. I watched what in 2000, 2001, and like he went back and completely reframed something that's such a part of my childhood. I, it, I I can see how that's frustrating to some people, but like I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's it sells it reframes the epilogue as you know them having their partners around and being with them is despite the nature of reality instead of as a normal process of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I like the idea that it's simply I'm trying to think of the way I want to word this. We, 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 crap. All I have is the, the damn phrase in my head of, um, it's not the, it's not the end, it's the journey. We know where it ends. It's a matter of if there's anything interesting in the middle. And I like that there are interesting things in the middle, even if not everyone likes them. Cause it's at least. Yeah, no, I, I do like that there's, like, we have more 
clarity on the epilogue now than we did in 2002 or whatever, I guess 2001. And I appreciate that. Yeah. And the next one I left in, but I rewrote, which I'm pretty sure was meant to be an insult to me. (laughs) I ran ahead and rewrote it. I had a question for Onke. You do a lot of the translating on with Will. Mark also seems to do a lot of translating, but claims he's just doing the best with tools that he has. Is he sandbagging for praise? All right. So I will explain for you, Mark. Um, What that (laughs) is, is that Mark sends me stuff to get my input on to hopefully translate. The thing is, he sends me stuff at times where I am like in bed already sleeping or I'm at work or I just can't do it on that day. So I end up just not being able to do it. So Mark goes in, he uses all of the tools he has in his possession to be able to make an understandable translation that everyone can understand. So it's not Sam begging. Um, he's doing his best. <laughs> yeah, it's just a question of whether Onke is one of those tools. Yes. But uh, like, oh, okay, can confirm that, like, let's say it's 3, let's say it's 3 p.m. on a Saturday and something goes up on Twitter. I will throw something at her going, I think this might be close. I think the last half isn't there. And then she may get 20 more messages from me in the next hour where I'm clearly like punching the thing to death, trying to get something coherent. And then at the end, it's like, I think every line here is perfect, but I don't know what the fuck they're talking about with chickens here at the end. And Onka's <laughs> like, no, no, that that's, and she'll pop and she's like, no, no, that's not chickens. They're saying blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. It's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it, you guys only end up seeing in theory, the end result of maybe me getting help, maybe me not, but me basically just trying to split apart pieces and using dozens of translation tools to try to make something coherent and sometimes guesstimating what the hell I'm looking at. That's why if it's okay, I say it's okay because then you can go, they know what they're actually doing and it's not just, yeah. Like here's the thing. If a product listing goes up, I can just go can badge. It says can badge. I will talk about the can badge. I don't need to translate what they're saying about it because I can see it. But And that's also why you very rarely will see me put up anything that's, say, interview-related, if it's just me. Because if it's someone talking about a product and I get a few words wrong, I'm not super bothered. Interviews mean something else, and I generally don't do them if it's just me. So, yeah. We appreciate you, okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) And it appears I pasted the same one in like three times, so I will skip that one. Ignoring aspects of money and business, should this be the end for the original version of Digimon Adventure? I've said. I think I kind of explained that before, that I think it should be. Yeah. My view generally is if they can make something good, I don't really have an issue with them doing more. I think the way the end's framed here, I think it will be frustrating for a lot of people if it is the end, though. Because I think a lot of people are having issue with the idea that the movie can end. That that is not a forever goodbye. A lot of people do seem to be having issues with that, if I'm being honest. Bueller? Anyone still there? I need to check to see if the call disconnected. 
and it did not. Um... Hello? I think the call disconnected. Can you guys hear me? Hello? Can you guys hear me? I think this is still streaming and I cannot hear any of them. So give me one moment to see what is going on here. Do not know why I'm not getting their audio. And Discord does not seem to be hearing mine. Yeah, I know, I know you guys can hear me. I'm trying to figure out why I can't hear them. And I don't think you guys can hear them either. And yet I see that they're talking. So give me one moment to figure out what is going on here. Uh, or his computer crashed okay. or something. Can yeah, you guys still? Okay, wait. I can okay, hear you well, guys now. We'll let. Uh, we'll give it another chance for uh, the chat. Okay. Well, while we do that, let's. Um, Jeff, plug your uh, plug your stuff while you're while you're here. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I host Pottages Weekly, talking about the Adventure Twenty Twenty reboot. Um, Hello. Oh, okay. Can you guys hear me now? Maybe we'll have an episode about Kizuna. I'm not sure. Hello. Um, we have to like. My, I initially had lots of plans for covering Kizuna. This is going to be one of three podcasts I was going to record. And then once the theatrical screening uh, was canceled, I canceled Can that. you guys Thanks. hear me now? Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, for some reason, Discord crashed out your guys' audio, but was keeping mine going. And then when I fixed it, my audio was cut off and you guys are still going. So I've just routed my audio differently. And it appears they can hear all of us now. So well, oh, I think talk... I kind of like the show better as it was. Yeah. Oh no! At one at one at one point, it appeared that it was streaming all of our audio, but we could not hear each other. Oh great! Anyway, that yeah. sounds like chaos. Anyway, Jeff, as you were saying. Oh yeah. Um, so hopefully that all is kept in. Uh, but anyway, like I said, yeah, I, I'm I'm not going to clip that out because it will get too confusing with you guys talking. I believe some of what you guys said they could hear, some of what I said they could hear, we could not hear each other. So you may want to go back a bit because I don't think they heard all of that. Okay, yeah, you might be talking over us at points because we couldn't hear each other. Um, so I'll start off. Uh, you can check out Pydigis, which I am hosting weekly with a different guest each week talking about the Adventure 2020 reboot. Uh, I might be gathering the original gang of the show back together to talk about Kizuna, but I've uh, been too busy with life stuff. I think we've all been too busy with life stuff recently to really discuss that since we had initial plans to do that when the movie was going to be out in theaters, but things have been pushed back a lot. So, um, And also I host a general anime podcast called Love It A Wee Bit, where we look at new anime and discuss whether they're worth recommending to everyone or not. So yeah, check those out. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Anything you want? Uh, well, you'll find me on Twitter, but I don't really often talk about Digimon on there. So, uh, if you want to find Digimon stuff, just go to my translation blog, Digital Digital Scratch PMSinfirm dot org. That's about it. And that's got stuff going all the way to the beginning of the it's franchise way beginning, too. Yes. Like you've got <laughs> you've got the novels and some of the audio dramas. The interviews, and yeah. Lots of good stuff. Everyone I like check that out. I like that I pre-wrote the notes and put what Onke actually wanted to pimp on the notes anyways. Oh cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And AR, where are your stories currently? Uh I'm on fanfiction.net and AO3 as um as AR Palver since we had that long talk about Neverworld. Jeez, I cannot believe they did that. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> um, but uh, my review blog is digimon.firstagent.net. I'm also on Twitter at firstagentarp. Yeah. My and Kazuna I- review did go up last week, so you can all check that out. Yeah, and I can be found at with the will, and Onke's stuff can often be found at with the will. <laughs> and we do all the Digimon news because no one else will. <laughs> and yeah, I'm going to be back here on Monday, so. Yeah. And oh, God, a new episode of Adventure 2020 in a couple hours. Yeah, I know. I'm Yeah. We'll be talking after about last week, after last week I'm not that excited. Yeah. We'll be talking about an episode this week out last night at midnight, so <laughs> we'll be oh, talking God. about Adventure 2020 and importantly, we get to upset people about their favorite topic, Digimon Survive. <laughs> people oh, were yeah. not people were not happy with me yesterday. I bet. Oh, I I let's was. Save that, let's save that for Monday. I gotta let my kid and wife. Yeah, out. I know. Yeah, we'll we'll just leave that. Dev was cackling to me on on Discord yesterday when she saw that. Mm. Um, yeah, always nice to have guests when we occasionally do. Great that we finally got to talk about the movie after half a year, and that at the very least that we only had a problem at the near end, and that because I thought it was a problem with my headset, I started rejigging cables, and now I can only hear you out of one ear. Yeah. So <laughs> me and me and AR will catch you guys next time. Uh, I ex- hopefully Jeff and Onke will show up again in the future. We'll find something to have them back for. Um, we will catch you guys next time. Bye. 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 Bye.